USA Prime Credit, they'll Peggy your problem. Hey, Peggy, I got five Gundam charges here for Miss Priss's Cat Emporium. Tell me, that I sound like a man who'd have five Gundam charges at a Miss Priss's Cat Emporium? You break up, call back next week. I'm not too old to find you, son. Episode 87 of Gundam at MHQ. This is Chris, and I'm joined by Sobro Ryu and the ghost of Al Davis. No, this is Neo. All right, so we're here to talk about some uh, robot crap today, as we usually do. We're going to be talking about <clears throat> some good old cyberpunk with Bubblegum Crisis, the original. Awesome. And we're going to talk about Mecha Murderers, a user submitted topic. But before Ooh. all of that, we got some other stuff to get to, so. Without wasting any further time, I will hand it off to Neo for the breaking news at Neo's news desk. All right. Well, thank you, Chris. And before I go to the listener uh, submitted articles, I just want to, like I said, uh, we're recording this on Sunday and or October 9th and the day before. Uh, all those people that are football fans and even people that don't, uh, one of the guys that kind of did it, did it his way and and was proud to tell you that I uh, died, and that was Al Davis of the Oakland Raiders. And you know, it's kind of a sad thing when you see kind of pioneering people like this go. So um, you know, our, our uh, you know our thoughts are with his family, and I'm sure uh, you know all those Raider fans out there. Uh, you know, that's definitely a big thing with them. So, but um, all right, so we're going to do some Neo's listener submitted news articles, and you can always submit your articles on the Neo's listener submitted news articles thread in the Mecha Talk forum in the Gundam section. So, uh, the first one here is from Submitter Flame X, and he's from Planet Earth, one of my favorite planets. And uh, this is coming from uh, the Anime News Network, and uh, we know Gundam Unicorn, that show. It's um, you know the one that uses all what is it, 23 seconds of recycled animation. Uh, you know how dare you do that in a uh, in a six episode OVA? Well, this uh, this next episode, episode four, is going to mark a big turning point in the Gundam franchise, and the new voice of Bright Noah is going to be revealed, and it's going to be coming from voice actor Ken Narita, and he's going to assume the role of Bright Noah. And, of course, we know Bright uh, in, of course, the original MSG, Zeta, Double Zeta, and Char's Counterattack. And that was the last time that the, the original voice actor appeared. So, well, uh, technically, no, because he uh, came back to do the re-recording for the Zeta movies. That was the last thing he ever did. I guess technically, yes. But, you know, that... Plus all still, of the games. All the games. Oh, yeah. So, but... You know this. This is uh, this. This is going to be a big thing, and I know uh, Chris and Solbro know about voice actors. Anything you know about this guy? Or he's uh, uh, he's Orenji Kun. Okay. Oh, get out, man! I didn't know he was the voice of him. That's awesome. So well, I definitely know the sound of his voice now. Definitely be looking forward to that. Whenever uh, what is it? Gundam Unicorn Episode Four comes out. I think mm-hmm. November, right, Chris? That's when November the November for uh, PSN and December and- for Blu-ray. 
Yeah. All right. There you go. So uh, we'll definitely be uh, looking forward to that. Thank you, Mr. Flame X, for your submission. And the next one here comes from uh, Submitter Wielder. And this is actually uh, coming from Anime News Network again. And there's going to be a Gundam Augmented Reality iPhone iPad app released. And it's going to be called Gundam Area Wars. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's going to be released in Japan on the iPad and iPhone devices. And it's a simulation game. And you carry out missions, of course, to defeat enemy mobile suit and take over their bases. So it sounds almost kind of like uh, Dynasty Warriors (laughs) on the iPad and iPhone phone but um it's going to use the uh, iphone's camera and gyroscopic sensors to display the uh, opposing mobile suits as life-size 3d models so um you know it's definitely something that's uh, out there and i guess we'll probably start seeing more type of these games with uh, a little bit of the 3d things in them so we thank mr wielder for his submission there and the next one comes from uh, Gundam type zero and uh, this is coming from the j fusion dot com website and uh, i don't know if chris and Solbro. I, I would imagine chris is probably a big fan of this i don't know about Solbro, but uh remember cyborg 009 yeah never seen it never seen oh, i thought that'd be something you would have gotten into chris um yeah but uh there's gonna be a Not new that i don't movie. like it just uh, just haven't seen yeah. it oh no problem uh there's gonna be a new movie gonna be called um 009 regards cyborg which is gonna be opening up next fall and, uh, you know, for all those that are big fans of Cyborg 009, you know, got some new stuff coming out there for you. So uh, definitely check that out. And I'd just like to thank Mr. Gundam Type Zero for his submission there. And another one here. And this comes from Prince Zeon. And before I get into this one, uh, there's some things. Uh, we all know my fondness of Japanese toilets. But this... Uh, this All next too article, well, unfortunately. Yes, but this next, this next, um, this next thing is just way disturbing, and uh, I cannot condone this. Um, this comes from toplessrobot.com, so that tells you something right there. It's called the super terrific. It's called the toilet bike neo, which uh, I hope that's not an homage to me, but it's it's uh, it it's almost basic- certainly is. It's basically a three wheel trike that's got a toilet on it, and uh, it's going to start a triumphant journey around Japan. And it's run. It runs on human waste. Yeah, biogas. So I don't know how this would deal with the uh, the obscenity laws and maybe the exposing to yourself laws or even pedophilia laws when it comes to uh, driving down the freeway, uh, pooping in your bicycle to keep it going. So, maybe it's uh, like a like a Dune still suit with a little plug attached to to the butt. That no, it's into it's. The, no, it's a it's a commode on freaking it's a dude. Look at the picture. <laughs> I don't want to look at the picture. <laughs> it's a commode where the seat is, is supposed to be. They kind of moved the engine forward and they didn't tilt it as much. It's kind of straight up. And then yeah, it's a freaking it's a commode sitting there. And it's got some tanks in the back. And yes, yep. I guess I guess the thing is is you you definitely on this trip they're going to want to do a lot of Mexican or a lot of curry to keep that thing powered. <laughs> it better so. it better have a it better have like Febreze dispensers attached to it. Oh my. My God, yeah, it's just um, I, you know, I, I I know this, I know that was funny, haha, and and everything like that. But if you're gonna send me toilet news, make sure it's about the super cool toilets that are inside the homes, because that's that's what I want. I don't want I don't want mobile toilets like this. This doesn't sound. But thank you, Mr. Prince Zeon, anyways, for your submission. And uh, the next one here is from Ford R, and this comes from GunJap.net website, and um, Man, 
you know that show Gundam Age, the one that's got kids in <laughs> mobile suits, and you know the thing. You know, I'd seen the first episode, and I really can't believe they have Flit with with the toast in his mouth going to school. I've never. <laughs> That is one of the most offensive things I've ever seen. And immediately I went to the 4chan M boards and went under anonymous so I can just vent out about. <laughs> I'm just a bunch of friggin' uh, jobless, uh, love, uh, girlfriendless trolls who sit around and play WoW and pick their ass and eat microwave burritos and complain about stupid shit that's, that's not very important. So, all you people on. Uh, 4chan, they're bitching and complaining about the first episode of a show that seems pretty good, especially with the main protagonist not being a whiny bitch like uh, Camille and Armor War in their first thing. This kid actually gets it, and uh, you know, okay, they look like little kids, but you're, yeah, you're the same people that probably got your damn Yu Gi Oh! and Magic the Gathering cards and playing every freaking. Hey, 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 <laughs> hey. So, do not be smirched the name of Magic. I'm just, <laughs> just saying. So, you know what? You can all go to hell, and, uh, you know, just because it's episode one, which I think was a pretty good episode for an opening thing, and we'll get on to that much later down the road when we, do, when we actually review the first season of this. But back to, um, back to Mr. Four Ard's article here. Sorry about going off on a tangent there. <laughs> Did uh, you? Was, I, I, didn't, I didn't know this was Fox <laughs> News where you just mix Ooh. in your... Your editorial hey, with the news. Just what kind, of, be what kind of racket you got going on here? Just be glad this wasn't a video podcast because I'd have my old man glasses with my chalkboard, and somehow I'd link this to Thomas Jefferson and what he originally thought was supposed to go in the Constitution. <laughs> so, but um, it's going to be uh, Gundam Age is going to be streamed in uh, ch- in five different languages: Chinese, traditional and simplified, Korean, and English subtitles. So uh, definitely check it out. So it's going to it premieres uh, well. Sunday in right. Japan, which was yesterday, and uh, definitely check it out. So uh, yeah, and that English is great if you live in Australia. So if your yeah. name is uh, Mula Flaga or Vent Noir, then you're good to go. Otherwise, uh, you uh, got to do stuff like say uh, proxies <laughs> and things like that. And it, and it bothers me that a, a a country full of prisoners would get those things. So I guess these, I guess it is true. They get better things in prison than we get in real life. So. Um, <laughs> Well, what what I think is dumb about this is that uh, there's so many things that are streaming now in America. America is obviously a market for anime. Yes. And a lot of the stuff that I watch now is through streams. So the idea of watching fan subbed almost seems foreign to me now because I've become so used to streams. Mm -hmm. So when a major show like Gundam Age comes along, no word about streaming. And then, oh, yeah, we're going to do a stream and first month free, which was also weird because that was unclear of, does that mean you're only going to subtitle for free the first month worth of episodes or that the episodes will only be available for a month? It's a big difference between the two. Mm -hmm. And then I go this morning to watch Age and it's like, oh, uh, not available in your country. Yeah. Wow. Well, you, you just gotta. It it just shows us that we've we've we spoke about many many times that somehow Bandai is just not getting it. So uh, they're kind of like the four chan people. They're just Apparently not getting not. it. Yeah. <laughs> and and before before I pass this back to Chris, and I just want to thank you everybody for submitting their art news listeners. Uh, listeners submitted news articles in the thread there. Um, I have some other news, and this is uh, this is Admiral news. The Admiral, he's oh. back. Yeah, Admiral Adama. We all know, you know, one one of our great heroes, true American. Right on. Uh, he, a true uh, space he, American. Well, 
if I was president, if I was President Obama, what I would do is I'd give him the same thing I gave they gave uh, Winston Churchill that honorary passport to make him honorary citizen. Mm. Admiral Obama would he'd be that. No, he's on the first. Uh, Except in, for the fact that at this point, uh, the admiral's been dead for 190 thousand years. And he, pre- <laughs> and, he, and he predates America. I understand that, but. Um, Somehow I'll make it work. I'll, I'll get it connect some way. It's six <laughs> degrees of Admiral Adama. Uh, we'll get we'll get it work in some way. But uh, no, he's in the new season of Dexter. He was in the first episode. So uh, oh. anybody that likes um, the Admiral, or actually Edward James, almost the actor that plays the Admiral, mm-hmm. uh, definitely check that out. And that first episode was pretty good. So back over to Chris to uh, get us going. And I think uh, I, I I heard I heard some tires squealing, and I heard I I've smelled. <laughs> Biodiesel in the air. You did, is, sir. Is and that, you did. That's telling us something. Because yes, has to be biodiesel. As as you know, we've moved the uh, mailbag to the anus of the show. Nice. Oh, yes. <laughs> so instead, we've got uh, some straight talk express time because I think uh, we've been overdue for that for a while. Yeah, so I'm gonna make these talk. both brief, but you guys feel free to jump in if you have any comments on them, and I'm sure you do. Mm-hmm. Okay. First one, Steve Jobs. Oh man. And I address this to the entire world. World, can we tone down just a little bit on the Steve Jobs worship? Mm. The man was a man. He's not a god. Mm -hmm. And I understand that, yes, he was a great innovator, and he will go down in history as someone who had a very large impact on the technology world across several decades. I understand that, and that's important, and that's great, and that's good to know. But let's not whitewash who he was when it's looking at us right in the eye. And by that, I mean his very well-documented reputation for being um, verbally abusive, micromanaging, Mm -hmm. obsessive, um, basically just treating his employees like crap and berating them and insulting them. And and his competitors. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So my point here basically is, you know, it doesn't matter to me if he's the most brilliant designer the world ever saw. It's no excuse to treat people like crap. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Because know, products are not more important than people. I mean, there there was a reason why he was deposed um, back in the 80s from being the CEO of Apple. <laughs> he wasn't a very nice person back then. He was an innovator, man, and I, 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 I definitely respect that. Um, I respect the fact that he actually got control of his company twice which is an amazing feat and he is one of those ceos that's that actually had a personal investment in this company way too many times most ceos nowadays they're looking to fill a position um they, they're looking to make an impact at the company that they're at and then they they take an early retirement check out and go fill another empty seat somewhere else yeah. and steve jobs wasn't like six. that but um but at, at the at the same time he was lacking a lot of people skills yeah <laughs> i think you can be successful without treating people like garbage Mm-hmm. And for all of the comments about how progressive his company was and the way mm-hmm. it treated its employees and gave it benefits, yada, yada. Well, maybe mm-hmm. that's true in America. Tell that to the workers in China at Foxconn yeah. yes. who build all of these devices that all of you fanboys mm-hmm. worship, mm-hmm. who get paid peanuts, work 15-hour shifts, are verbally and physically abused, and have had, over the last, say, two years, several dozen suicides because of the conditions there are just so deplorable. Yes, Yes, yeah, so your iPod and um, iPhone come from those uh, <laughs> come from those uh, wondrous uh, wondrous factories. Yeah, and then on top of that, for all of his billions, uh, Jobs was not very philanthropic at all. No, unlike unlike his biggest competitor, Bill Gates, who gives out 
oodles of Billions. money every year, yeah, which yeah. is pretty much his job now. That's that's pretty much what he does. He runs the. Uh, well, it's because it's because he because even though it's it's weird about Bill Gates, he divests his his holding in Microsoft so much, but he's so vested and mm-hmm. he's got such a return on investment that he actually can't sell his shares quick enough, and he can't he can't divest his money and give it out as as much. Because it, it's almost a break even. The, the amount that he gives out every year, is pr- he pretty much makes because of the way his investments are set up. So it's, he can't even do it quick enough. So, yeah, I mean, ask the state of Washington what they think of Bill Gates when it comes to, like, their education system and stuff like that. <laughs> and, 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 and ask the, uh, little children in Africa, yeah. you know, where he's trying to uh, eradicate malaria and other crap like that. Because yeah. I, I don't really remember uh, Steve Jobs being the face of uh, the Bay Area for their education system. <laughs> and just donating uh, or donating or giving uh, things at a deep, uh, giving your computers at a deep discount doesn't really count. <laughs> and and this course, is going. We don't know. Mm-hmm. We don't know what's in his will. So maybe there's something that he's going to leave x amount of money to some charity. But you know, throughout his life, nothing precluded him from doing that, and he didn't. Yeah. I mean, he he did reinvest his money into his own company. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't. I never saw him as a big philanthropist. Right. Um, too. And he did that to avoid paying a dividend too. Yes. They don't. They don't like paying dividends because I think the last time I saw, they have something like sixty billion in cash sitting there, mm-hmm. and. For all those fanboys that sit there and they buy Apple stock, yeah, it's great to have a stock that's appreciating up through the roof. Mm. But you know, a company like that you should also get some dividend checks, especially when they're sitting on a ton of cash. But my thing about this whole, I, I agree with Chris. I, I think um, we have to put it in kind of perspective. Yes, he was an innovative person when it came to um, his his designs, and also as a marketer. I mean, this is let's be honest, this is a man that made people believe they needed an iPad when in all actuality they didn't need it. Mm-hmm. And you know, and, and that's part of his success there too, is the fact that he's able to create these innovative products, but he's actually able to make people believe that they need them and will spend their money blindly blind blindly to get them. I mean, we we all know people and we've met people that don't have really a pot to piss in, but they got the brand new iPhone or iPad. And uh, you know, just 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 look at college campuses across the country. And you'll see that, and um, or or full sale, go there, and you'll see you'll see that. But I, I I think we I think you know in terms of what he did with the iPhone, I think that's his greatest achievement. I still think you, I mean because he took the the idea of the smartphone that uh, Research in Motion had and just upped it to the next point, mm-hmm. but. We have to kind of put some of this stuff in perspective because a lot of it is still remains to be seen what its impact's going to be 10 or 15 years from now. We may not even remember. I think with the iPhone will be the, you know, that, that we know people will still kind of remember, but, you know, we just don't know. And, and like Chris said, you can be a very uh, innovative, a very passionate, a very hardworking CEO, but it doesn't hurt to be nice to your people. And especially, you know, because he famously says, oh, I only made a dollar a CEO of Apple. Well, you know, what about all the other billions you've made off of your other investments? And like you said, where was it going when it came to uh, charity and stuff like that? Didn't see too much going on. And and the thing, too, about in his will, a lot of times, if he's going to be doing any charity in that aspect, that's for uh, tax, tax planning. So uh, that may necessarily not necessarily be uh, in the wholeheartedness of his uh, 
his heart there. Exactly. <laughs> so. And you know, just to be clear, this is not about hating uh, Steve Jobs or Apple. It's not, not because I'm a PC guy. It's not because I have an Android phone. It's just, mm-hmm. and it's not even about Steve Jobs per se, because this happens whenever a celebrity dies. Yeah. There's this tendency to always like play up all of the good things that they did and mm-hmm. just completely ignore all of the bad, to, to even be, to, when it's well known. To be to be fully honest, Chris is not. Chris is less of a fan of Bill Gates' company than he is uh steve jobs's company so you know if anything uh, i i don't think i've never really heard you say anything it, bad yeah. about steve jobs ever it, in comparison yeah, to microsoft it, so um yeah my yeah, only problem it, with apple is mm-hmm. it's not even, my problem with apple is not even with the company it's with the obsessive uh fans who worship yeah. it and um you know hold it up as as the best thing ever and or, trash or, or, everything else. Or the, the, the yeah, like you said, your perfect example is that is is the whole thing with their conditions where their products are being made in China. If any other company did that, they would sit there and they lionize them and they'd be like, "Oh my God, evil corporation! You're preying on the weaknesses of the third world countries." But yet you you know you have no problem getting your your iPhone 4s. Uh, you know just just as long as you get it, and you know it doesn't matter. Like you said, people committing suicide verbally, physically getting abused, and you know, it's yeah. It, yeah. We, and we just got to kind of clear on that. Also, other companies like Nintendo also use Foxconn to have their stuff built for them. A lot of companies mm-hmm. do. Nobody's forcing Apple to. That's right. true. It's their choice. So that's that's it for that uh, little part of the straight talk. And got a second little straight talk here. Two, uh, uh, Yeah, it's a two for one. Man, fire sale. Wow. It's a fire sale. <laughs> so uh, there's this new anime that came out in Japan. Mm-hmm. It's this uh, robot show. I wonder and it's what got it a be. kid in it. Oh no, my God! Yeah, Macross. And, New Macross, huh? And there was a lot of uh, <laughs> you know bitching and complaining beforehand about this anime with a kid in it because it's a kid, and that's mm-hmm. just unacceptable. Never seen that before, huh? No, I never heard of that before. Okay. Children don't pilot mechs. Okay, so Gundam Mage is here, and I don't really want to talk about this too much, but here's here's the thing. You know, the line that I was holding was, you know, there's no point in complaining prematurely about it because up to now it only seen trailers and magazine scans and whatnot and now the actual show has arrived and hold your opinions till then okay so the show's here and i've watched it you'll see my review on mhq will be up before this episode's out mm-hmm. and i got some problems with it and i'm going to detail that in in the review which i'm going to write up as soon as we finish this podcast and that's fine if you're going to criticize the show criticize um things that are actually important that actually have some bearing on things like the way the story is written and whatnot. I kill. I still keep seeing complaints of it's kitty looking, it's kitty looking. And our current poll on MHQ, someone made the very nice comment that it looks like heavily infantiloid shit. Ooh. And you know, I am just tired to all hell of these complaints about it's kitty looking, it's kitty looking. Okay, we know it's freaking kitty looking. Okay, shut the hell up and move on to something else. Comment about something else. Complaining that it's kitty-looking at this stage after the show's been around uh, for a couple of months since its debut. We've already seen the designs. We've seen the trailers. We've seen the first episode. We know it's kitty-looking. Find something more substantive that you want to criticize other than that. That's like saying that... uh, you know, garbage dumps stink or uh, the sky is blue. <laughs> yes, we know this. Find something else to say. You want to criticize the story? Please do so. If you want to criticize how Flit is basically like the Doogie Hauser of Gundams, go ahead. <laughs> Please. 
Shut the hell up with this. There is kitty looking. It's old. We know that. Move on to something else. Well, I got something new for you. The toast. The piece of bread, man. Yes, the toast. <laughs> See that? Even the toast. I'll take the toast. He has for toast now. in his mouth, and Amaro had toast in his mouth, and how dare they with a cheap ripoff. I'll <laughs> even take that, as dumb as that is. But please, for God's sakes, I am just so tired of hearing to no end that it's yeah. it's kitty looking. It's kitty looking. It's kitty, 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 kitty. It's as kitty looking as um as as double O as this Bishonen looking. But, well, you know, it, it's an aesthetic, and if you can't get past that like like people had to get past um if you're not a fan of uh of anything bashonen and and you grew watching double o you know it might be a turnoff at first but then the content of the show really swayed a lot of people over so you, you can't give the 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 actual you know the content of the series a chance i mean it's it, it not every it's, time it's gundam fans of course they won't i mean <laughs> You know, but even then, in the usual, like, stupidity leading up to a new Gundam show, mm-hmm. eventually all of the complaints about Double O being the gayest thing ever mm-hmm. finally subsided. It took a while, though. But up to now, it's still, it's just, now it's just kitty, 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 kitty. Well, the, 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 the other problem that I have with this, and it was all the stuff leading up to it, is if you're going to complain about the show or you, if you don't like it, don't just sit there and keep saying that you're not going to, that you hate it and it's going to suck, especially when you haven't seen it yet. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like Chris said, okay, maybe after the first episode, yeah, if you have problems with it, then note the first problems of the first episode. Don't sit there and say, well, I thought this was the best episode i thought this was the worst episode so this will be the greatest or worst show ever i mean just just if you're going to comment on something comment on stuff that means something that actually is dealing with what's out there all this this speculation and, and you know this personal opinion that to be honest with you it doesn't even make any sense and, and once again this all comes down to the the thing that i hate about the internet it, it it gives the voice to people that shouldn't have a voice or people that we normally would just not listen to so once again i shouldn't have to re- you know if i don't want to read something that I won't, but when it influences, you know, what what we do and, and things that we have to look for when it comes to research or whatever, I mean, it does just get a little old. I mean, if you're not going to like it, just don't like it. You know, okay, I'm not going to like this show, but just keep it, just keep it there. Better yet, if you don't like yeah. it, don't watch it. I'll, re- exactly. I'll reiterate my point from our, our first discussion of age. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody is forced to watch this show. Oh, of <laughs> course not. To, yeah. We have to. I have to review it for MHQ, and we have to talk about it on this podcast. People out there who do not write for websites or do podcasts, nobody's forcing you to watch this. If you don't like it, stop watching it. And for God's sakes, stop bitching about it endlessly on forums. Yeah, because it, it's it's a it's a newsflash to people in in the United States. You have the freedom to watch or to listen to what you want to. If, if or you to don't not like- watch. Or, yeah, exactly. If you don't like it, you don't have to watch it. Nobody's forcing you to. Just because I like something doesn't mean that you have to like it and you don't have to sit there and watch it. But you, I mean, but then again, it doesn't give you the right to go around and be a douchebag and just needlessly just drone on about stuff that makes no sense and makes you sound like an idiot. So my, my point is, go to hell. <laughs> okay. But yeah, I mean, now we finally have the show here. We got the first episode. Uh, You can watch the first episode or the first two or three. If you don't like it, watch something else. Go watch. Go watch One Piece. Go go watch Persona Four. Go go watch anything. You don't have to watch Gundam Age if you don't like it. Yeah, well, waste your time. I mean, uh, if if you're predisposed to hate it and everything about it just because of how it looks and you know that nothing else in the show is going to sell you then why waste your time and watch something that you know is just going to infuriate you it's just stupid it's and, dumb 
Yeah, there's no need to be a douche about it. I mean, it's not very encouraging when the first comment I see on this MHQ poll is, oh, it's heavily infantiloid shit. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just that's just stupid. That's that's childish. Make that sort of comment. So please control yourself. Chris, we, we've done all we can. <laughs> I think we have. So that uh, that wraps up this uh, two for one Straight Talk Express. And mm -hmm. we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. You're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. It was an honor to be on the court with you. You guys are the best. Even you, Vakaitis. Damn dumb son of a bitch. You don't understand a word I'm saying, do you? I can't believe Game and Morpher gave Gears of War 3 a 9.4. Ugh, those guys have rocks in their head. It clearly deserves at least a 9.6. Bro, why do you even care? Modern Warfare 3 is a far superior game in every way. You guys are still playing with your consoles? You need to fully immerse yourself in true PC gaming. Are you sick of nerd ragers making you feel like your games don't matter? Or do you feel like professional game magazines have sold out and only cover major releases? Sure you are, so join us here at secondopiniongames.com and let us make your video game conversations fun again. Our main podcast focuses on all gaming news, big and small. And don't forget our other podcasts where we talk about video game collecting, fighting games, the best games you never played, and other just mindless and mindful ramblings that entail what our main focus is. Let us be your first stop and second opinion. So stop by secondopiniongames.com. You can also find us on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Just how outrageous are the hosts of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast? Bulma Brief. From Dragon Ball Z is such a tease. Anime. You're gonna go over to Master Roshi's house every day, wearing your little short shorts, your little sexy tops. Addicts. But you're not gonna let him tap that ass, even though he wants to tap it and he gets nosebleeds all the time. Anonymous. He's 500 years old, the man can't die till he gets laid. Let the man rest in peace. All I gotta say is, Master Roshi's sperm count is over 9,000. Podcast. Don't miss a moment. Tune in at aaapodcast.com and iTunes. I have something here for you. Your father wanted you to have this when you were old enough, but your uncle wouldn't allow it. He feared you might follow old Obi-Wan on some damn fool idealistic crusade like your father did. This segment of Gundam at MAHQ is brought to you by Petco. Welcome back. This is Neo, uh, and we're going to be going into a listener-submitted topic. And this comes from us from the, the Mecha Messiah, and his topic is Mecha Murderers. And this is not what you're going to think. This doesn't. This has got no, we're not drawn no lines between antagonists or protagonists here. We're just talking about people that got the most uh, body counts on their old weapons there, especially when it comes to body counts uh, for named 
uh, named characters. Uh, you know, not not any guys like Hiro Yui who just blew away thousands of defenseless and faceless uh, Leo pilots out there. So we're, we're, we're talking people that got a little bit better resume on there. And uh, I will go to Chris with his first uh, his first submission for a mecha murderer. Well, I think we have to give the uh, Patrick Bateman Memorial Award. <laughs> for mecha murdering to uh, the the royalty of mecha murdering and of course I mean Prince Ali Mr. Ali Al Sausage Mr. Sausage himself Mr. Ali Al Sausage (laughs) man I fry up this brat just just in his honor (laughs) from from double O because there's I don't think anyone I've seen in a mecha show who gets as many named kills in a short period of time as this guy does yeah, because if you really think about it, when it comes to his FaceTime at both seasons, you know, maybe a little bit less than you would normally have in a character like him in, in previous shows. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, he had a yeah. lot of FaceTime in Season 1, uh, was virtually not there in Season 2, but boy, when he was there in Season 1, did he kill a lot of people. I mean, let's let's look at the uh, the kill list. Um, he, killed, uh, he killed Laguna. Yeah. Right? He killed um, Kinoe. Kinoe. Mm-hmm. Yep. He killed... Michael and Johan Trinity. Right. Yeah. Rich, before we go on, which is the best series of kills ever, <laughs> yes. as he shows up and the three Trinities are there, and I think it's what Michael with his little knife is there. He's like, hey, who are you? What are you going to do? Ali, just all cool, just boom, pulls out his bobber, shoots him in the heart, and then tells Johan, hey, get in your suit. We're going to duke it out. And then he kills him. So, and then, and then, and then messes with uh, Nina later on in season two with, uh, <laughs> with all the things he says. That man clearly yeah. likes to toy with his food. <laughs> so he not, he not only physically killed her two quote-unquote brothers, but actually kind of mentally raped her in the head. So, uh, <laughs> And made her even more screwed up than she already is. Yeah, exactly. Uh, of course, he killed the original Lock-On Stratos. Yes, yeah. he got himself a Meister, man. Tagged a Meister and... Uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting other people that he's killed because he killed a lot. Of course, just a bonus, uh, he, he burned down his Adistan. Yeah. Brain, brainwashed, he brainwashed little children, one being uh, Setsuna, and had them kill their parents yep. before they go on a holy little jihad with him. <laughs> who, who else did he kill? I'm think, I'm, I get the impression I'm missing people that, that he's killed other than what I've already mentioned. Didn't he kill... Okay, he, okay no, that was Laguna. Um, well, he killed Laguna. Yeah, I know, but I, I was saying I thought he killed somebody else that was within the government in that first season. So um, it, it's just tough because that second season was so bad, it kind of scars it for you. So it's like if you, it outweighs the good of the first. Yeah, but so. now Double uh, O Season 2 is no longer the worst Gundam since ever because now we have Age. Oh, ho, ho. Age Episode 1. All right. Actually, Age... Uh, Age uh, fan scans from two months ago. That, that that's what made it the worst. <laughs> so, but so definitely yeah. uh, Ali, because how many times do you see someone who kills so many uh, named characters? And he, and the thing about him is is we've had cold blooded killers in Gundam before, but it's like this guy really just exuded. He just was just part of him. I mean, the whole friggin' because he, cra- he admits he loves to kill. Yeah, the crazy. The crazy thing to uh, Kinue before she goes on the, her last ride, it's like, man. So then he, he kills her. Then in the next episode, he tags both of the Trinities within five minutes of each mm-hmm. other. And yeah. then two episodes after that, he kills Lock-On. Yeah. Jesus. I mean, the guy's just unstoppable. Serial, man. 
and like <laughs> and like you said, he did he did the one thing that no one else could really do in that show. He killed the Meister. Yeah. No one no one else got the Meisters except. <laughs> well, except the, the closest Lee. the closest anyone got was when uh, when Team Patrick went and he blinded Lock On. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's the closest. But he didn't. He didn't finish the deal. He didn't seal the deal on that he one. He didn't seal yeah. the deal. But uh, oh, and let's not forget that uh, I guess this could sort of count as named kills. Mm-hmm. That uh, since Ali was the head of the KPSA, he was responsible for the bombing that killed. Um, oh yeah, the, the Delandis. Yes. Yeah. Yes, he was. Papa and Mama and sister too. So. And make sure. Let, 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 more kills. Let, let, let's let's make sure to let the people know that um, even though he did kill, did kill Lock On, it was almost a double KO. It was almost. Yes, yeah, he but did the, almost get number two as well. Almost. Yeah. But, but he, anything but, else on uh, Prince Ali, Mr. Sausage? No. Uh, uh, aside, from, aside from him being stone cold, no. <laughs> nothing more on, on Prince Ali, murderous he. Murderous sausage vendor. Mm-hmm. All right, Soul Bro. Let's hear what you have to say. And no Street Fighter guys. Oh, <laughs> man. Well, I, I, I might as well just sit out. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, man. <laughs> I got to take this way back to oldie but a goodie. That's right. Yazan Gable, the wild dog from Mobile Suit Zeta Gundam. Our friend, Mr. Buffon himself. Uh, he, was, uh, he was a maniac. And, before, uh, before, before he went really crazy and ZZ. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> before he went insane and then hung out, uh, hung out with uh, hung out with um, Fats Goodman's brother uh, Gamon. He went so crazy, he became a no- <laughs> he went so crazy, he became a non-entity yeah. <laughs> and, and a pig thief. And a pig thief, and he and he hung out in the junkyard like Fred Sanford. There you go. There with you go. Judo in the junkyard, kids. <laughs> And and he does like to go to ballroom dances, <laughs> and just be in the background. Damn you, son, man, you fell off hard. But um, before he did, before he did, he um he took out one of my favorites, favorite people to hate, and that was uh Jamaican. He was a asshole that was also part of the tight Titans, and he took him out. And he was just uh, a pain in the ass for a lot of uh characters in uh Zeta. Uh, I, I, he killed one of his own. Uh, oh, besides Jamaican, didn't he kill someone that was close to uh close to Jared? Uh, killed one of uh Jared's ladies. Uh, maybe I'm wrong about that, no, but uh, he didn't kill any of Jared's ladies. Did he? He killed though. No, they, they 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 just died because they were. One of them got herself Jared. killed. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And he, uh, yeah, I don't think he had anything too kind to say. Uh, did he kill Apolli Bay, or was that, uh, was that, uh, that was Jared. Jared? That was Jared. That was Jared. Yeah. Did but he, uh, uh, mm-hmm. Yazan, I think, aside from killing Jamaica, which is a great moment in Zeta Gundam, Ooh, is it? notable for the temper tantrum he has when he's in his suit mm-hmm. and he's beating the crap out of, um, I think it's uh, Sarah's Hyzak. He yes. says that he doesn't want to be around crappy old mobile suits piloted by like uh, little dolls. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, Yazan is old school. He was he fought in the One Year War, so um, you know he was he was he he knows what he knows what combat is, and you know, he's used to fighting with grown ass men. <laughs> So you know, fighting oh, alongside of course, children. Let's not forget that he, mm-hmm. he tagged cats. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes! That was a, that was a great moment. Oh, great moment in, in Gundam history, right there. Neo stood and applauded. <laughs> and he hit the quick rewind on the remote control. Actually, actually, I had a I had a, I had a tear of gratitude come out <laughs> stream out of my eye. It was blood red, of course, but it was a tr- a tear of gratitude. And to let's me- not forget. Um, mm-hmm. 
by firing into like the shrapnel of the palace Athene, wasn't he the one who basically killed Emma? Oh yeah, yeah. remember correctly? Because he he yeah. blasted that that uh, that wreckage, which mm -hmm. then got her in the gut, and then Camille showed up with his sword of anger, sliced and diced the Hambrabi, and then Yazan flew away in the the escape pod. What a killer! Yeah. What a killer! He so there killed... you go, right there, three three named characters. He he killed her with a trick shot, son. <laughs> Well, she was kind of stupid, though, for getting... Oh, that, that, too. Was... No one's... Oh. Like, why the fuck you oh. took that out of the cockpit for no reason? <laughs> yeah, oh, Emma, you know, what she, happened? She had her space madness at that oh, point. Oh, so. space madness. Space madness! <laughs> but yeah, he's on, man. He, he, he exhibited so much potential of being just a, a maniac. So many more. Man, Patrick Bateman would, would, would pat him on the back. But then he lost his shit in Double Zeta. What? What can I, you I do? Just, I, I just love the. I just love the whole sequence when he sets. Well, oh, let's not forget uh, in Double Zeta, he still at least got some kills. Cause he yeah, got Sagusa. Sagusa. He still yeah, he got. Some... He was. He was. He was still sharp in the first app, man. He still was yeah. holding it down. And then Fox after that, the second app because what, first app uh, was, was the a mobile suit roll, roll call. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh, I was. I blocked that episode out. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, I need to see so it there you more. Go. Four named characters. All done in by Yazan across two series. Oh, before we became a lame. All right. Anything you... else, Yazan? No, we're good. We're good. Well, I'm going to take it even older school. Well, no, Ooh. it's around the same time. No, it, it's older school by a mm -hmm. couple of years. And this is just not one person. Mm -hmm. It's a cast. Oh, shit. The cast of a day on. Oh. Because they all ended up murdering each other. <laughs> now, now, that is a double KO right there. Oh. <laughs> Yes. No winners. And I'll throw in for good measure, uh, honorable mention, uh, the cast of Dunbine for killing themselves also. Yes. Schaefer, yes. Schaefer Cham. That was the only, <laughs> the only one to make it. But man, yeah, yeah, that that, that that's brutal. I mean, I've, yeah, cause I've they, seen because especially mm -hmm. in Dunbine, they killed, they were killing each other just like in, um, just like a day. I mean, a day on it was just those last few episodes, especially when you go on the killing spree. Mm -hmm. And when I got, I still forget that girl's name, the blonde girl who piloted the 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 truck part of the Adeon. When she shot the one of the only decent characters in the whole show, Corolla, in her face as she's pregnant, no less. <laughs> and not only shot her once, but multiple times. So um, yeah, it's uh, that that's definitely a blood fest, just like um, just like well. Be, be invoked itself. That's just two hours oh. of murder fest. So yeah, it's just. I mean, and I, I even think that little innocent girl that got her head blown off by the bazooka. Yeah. If she had time, she would have been a killer too. Because that's just how that stuff was going down. <laughs> I think even the baby that got its head blown off would have murdered somebody. Exactly. Oh my god, it was just yes. Both of those shows, just killers all. We can't we can't really single out one at all. <laughs> They're all there. So, anything else on those two? No. If anything, uh, that that is that uh, that is definitely widespread murder. <laughs> Chris, Miami Lakes, you're up. Well, I'm gonna throw in uh, one that may be controversial to some people, like say uh, Jab Man. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, no. good old Jesus Yamato. Ooh. And this was interesting when we were when we were talking about this before we recorded. But Chris, go ahead with your reasoning. How dare you? Well, you know, for as much even as he though, professes, even though he's a pacifist, yeah. As much as he professes that he doesn't want to fight, he sure kills a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Let's go through the kill count of named characters. Let's go. It starts with uh, Miguel Iman, mm -hmm. yeah, the first incarnation of Team Revolution. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, we move on. He seemingly kills Andy and Aisha, but then Andy gets Lazarus. 
but, for getting but killed she, by Jesus. But she's still dead as shit. <laughs> but she's so. still dead. Yeah. Then he kills that bearded loser, uh, Morrisim. Right. Mm-hmm. We thought, surely I can beat the Gundam. <laughs> with, with, with my silly water mobile suit. <laughs> yes, with my silly water mobile suit. Because I, I never watched any other Gundam before and know that that's just a losing proposition. Water mobile suit versus Gundam underwater usually doesn't work out too well. Let's see. Uh, he tagged uh, Nicole in my piano. Got <laughs> oh. her up there. Well, he, yeah, he didn't really tag him. That was that was a uh, that was a home home run swing. And then we got it replayed about 40 times throughout the rest of the series. Yeah, just... And then 40 more times in Destiny. <laughs> <laughs> so he got, he, got, he got Nickel. Good times. Jump ahead to, say, the end of the show from there. We got a little pacifist. It's just started getting uh, spam happy. He kills mm-hmm. Rao. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Then let's get to Destiny. And um, indirectly, because of the stuff that he did, he was the uh, indirect cause of death for the second incarnation of Team Revolution, uh, Heine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he took out Stella. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he took out Stella. After he was Mr. No-Kill there. You know, I'm not going <laughs> to kill anybody. Even even with Raul, it's funny because it's like he was he he had that whole strict non no kill policy, but yet he had no problem killing Raul Cruce. <laughs> <laughs> Left him playing ghost chess in the sequel. Yeah. I'll give uh, honorable mention to the fact that he almost killed Isaac like twenty times, but thought that he was so pathetic that he he took mercy upon him. <laughs> It, isn't it still up to debate if he was the the reason why Shin's parents also died? His Shin's family? Are you, you know, we, it's we'll never know. Of, it's hard to tell because mm-hmm. the first episode of the TV show sure as shit made it seem like that. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, Shin thinks so at least. <laughs> well, <laughs> but, not but, really, because he never he never mm-hmm. once talks about freedom killing his parents. Mm. Yeah, he was just pissed. He was just pissed about freedom when it came to uh, Stella and you know showing up and causing all the issues. Right. So, yeah, it's yeah, shit he, never brought up that issue of, you know, oh, it's because of freedom that my parents died. Would have been interesting if he did, but that was something that they left completely unexplored, but that's neither here nor there. That's true. Well, they, they left a lot of things unexplored in that show. <laughs> later later episodes, uh, when they, they re-edited things around, it didn't quite look the same way as it did that first, so it's not mm-hmm. quite clear who caused uh, Shin's family to die anymore. Because right. it, it, the way they do it in the first episode, it looks like it's um, just the calamity. You know, the calamity Gundam's there, mm-hmm. and you know, maybe a beam got you know whatever. Yeah, we don't yeah, know. Even in the first pretty- episode, it's a. I mean, it kind of looks that way because you see Freedom doing its beam spam. Next thing, explosion. Yeah, yeah. and and my it gets hang- changed around, so we have really no idea. So I won't that. Damn you, shoddy directing and writing. <laughs> And who knows how many uh, untold more he would have killed in the seed movie that's never going to happen. Oh. <laughs> I will never know. <laughs> the eternal question, like, how many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? The world. I, think, I, I think we'll know that before the seed movie comes out. <laughs> Probably. Because <laughs> I, think, I, think, I, think, I think there have actually been websites devoted to people counting how many licks they did to get to the center of a Tootsie Roll Pop. So, um, yeah. And just too- a disclaimer for Jabman out there. Because I'm mentioning uh, Jesus Yamato in the same company as uh, Prince Ali and Yazan and all of this stuff doesn't mean that I'm calling him a villain. <laughs> We're just doing a cold-blooded examination of murderers, regardless of morality or moral justification. Yeah, it's just because just, just you're on the winning side doesn't necessarily mean that you weren't a murderer. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Anything else on Jesus Yamato? Because we we don't want to anger uh, Jab Man anymore oh. than we already have. He might he might he might come back and say that he wants some debate somewhere. Oh snap! <laughs> yeah. Guess he never has to worry about running for president, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Soul Pro. All right. I guess my second pick. Um, they're they're not so old. Uh, they've only been around for a while. But um, it's at it, this time we we're talking about a pair. We're talking about the Frost Brothers. Those guys from uh, mobile, some After War Gundam X, and um, those, those. Oh, those... That, that's that's the show we endlessly hype. That's not as good as it really is, right? I know it. It, it you know, we, according we just... to 4chan, suckers. <laughs> Frame that quote. Yeah, the the Frost Brothers, man. They not only would would kill the opponents, they kill their own people. <laughs> Actually, I think they killed more of their allies than they did enemies. Yeah, pretty much, man. They probably hold the record. They did, yeah, because really, if you really think about it, all the all the named people on the the Freedon side, nobody really died. It was just like because they got all the that one episode where they got all the new types. When it was mm-hmm. just like, you know, um, are you a new type? We'll hire you. And then it was just like, oh, you're t- too good. Ha, <laughs> you're. You, you were what, yeah, there was that deep? one guy. It's like, I survived. I became a new type. Oh, you did? Too bad. Booze. Who else did they kill? They killed that mouth. guy, Imzat, on that island before uh, Garen yeah. blew it up. I, um, what is, Bloodmount or whatever that guy's name they was? They killed Bloodman and Blood- uh, Zydel. Oh, yep. man. Revolutionary Army. Um, they killed that uh, that woman from the new type research facility. Yes. I, that's, that's definitely an, uh, a notable kill right there. They killed, like, all of those guys from the uh, new UN who were opposing Bloodman. Some of them had Ooh. names, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the very least, even if the Frost Brothers don't get the record for most murders, which they probably do, mm-hmm. they at least get the record for being uh, biggest traitor villains. Yeah, they were on their own side. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> yeah, really. really they, knew to, they, knew how to, they knew how to walk the line, but at the same time, man, those are some agenda-having uh, mofos right there. They, uh, they, they, you Lord can... help you if you call them Category F. Ooh, man, they were professional knife twisters. <laughs> But yeah, man, the Frost Brothers, and and much like Yazan Gable, they got off light. They got off light. <laughs> they, at least they didn't, they didn't fall into obscurity as much as Yazan did. But um, they no, they, just, they just got canceled. They just got canceled. <laughs> <laughs> so. They got the they got to walk away from all and that murder. Who knows the... how many more they would have killed oh. if Gundam X had had ten more episodes like it was supposed to? The oh, the, man. the the what if of that bloodbath. At the end, oh my God! You know that was going to be some nasty, nasty s. <laughs> Absolutely, but yeah, that's that's mine. The Frost Brothers. All right. Well, anything else on the the, the Frost there? No. Nope. Well, mine is, and in in our reality now, he's still dead, but mm-hmm. he caused the death of a lot of people. Oh, he and did. that's uh, Lelouch Lamperouge or Lelouch Ooh. B. Britannia, because once again, like we said, even though he's but he's still probably more the the, the biggest anti-hero there is of a of recent memory for some of these shows. I mean, this is a guy that, like, episode one or two kills his half-brother, just stone cold, just shoots him in the face, <laughs> ends up killing his, uh, his half-sister that he has a little thing for. Mm-hmm. He causes all the death and destruction using the people that are blindly fo- blindlessly following him Behind, uh, you know, for to um, you know to break away from the Britannia Empire, he mm-hmm. uses them as bait. He even gets um, that what was that girl in a way or whatever that girl that was like kind of in the first beginning there, and she gets killed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, causes ends up killing his own father and mother. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, I mean, it's just like the list goes on. I, I, I'm sure I'm probably missing stuff. So, Sol, Sol, Sol and Chris, oh, uh, he there. caused he caused uh, Shirley's father to die. Father to, oh yeah, by doing the That's little right. uh, the landslide there in Narita, and he had a name. So, yeah, Mister Mister Shirley, Mister Shirley. Whatever her last name was. I mean, the th- the thing that just makes it that makes it really bad is the fact is is the fact that he uh, not only is he murdering people, but a lot of them he's he's blood related to. <laughs> I mean, that, that's how that it just, is in the royal court, man. That just that gives a new meaning to like uh, family troubles, you know. It just uh, it, it was just there, and you know, and, and the fact of that he would just so blindlessly lead these people and just had no problem using them as freaking pawns. Everybody was pawns on deck, boy. Yeah. Everybody. Everybody. Man, man would collapse cities <laughs> and just cause untold murder in order to forward his plans. It, it's amazing to me. And it doesn't matter how close you are to him. Unless you're one of maybe two or three people, you may not live if you unless, work for Lelouch. Unless your name is... is- Nunnally or Shirley. <laughs> yeah. And even then he couldn't stop Shirley from being killed. Mm-hmm. Uh although we know it was Suzaku who did that and, and not yeah. uh and not Rolo. Not even yeah. Callan. Not even Callan was quite safe. You know, granted Callan became, you know, very close uh, uh very 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 close to the to the campaign, but you know But she's but she survived yeah. and she ran through the streets with bread in her mouth. No doubt. <laughs> Can you believe that? <laughs> Shocking. Shocking, Ooh, I say. Man. She had now. bread in her mouth. That's as a cardinal going to school. That's a cardinal sin. Thou shall be no bread in the mouth. <laughs> in a sunrise show. In the sunrise show. <laughs> is that, is that kind of like using 23 seconds of recycled footage in a six six episode OVA? <laughs> yes. Damn you, Aiko. Anything else on uh, Lelouch there? No, I mean, I he, he, his, his hands are permanently red. Yeah. And he's permanently. At least he's permanently dead. Yeah, no doubt, man. He even orchestrated his own death. Give it up. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Wow, you got a newfound respect for the guy. Actually, damn. He he said he aced there, soul bro. For once, hey, there you go. Amazing point. You're welcome. Oh my god. (laughs) God, so he must have been doing some stuff other than TV watching and Street Fighter this last week. (laughs) Soul bro, thinking introspectively. Oh Oh, god. Jesus. There's no new new Capcom games right now. Yeah. Damn. (laughs) Not, not till November, right? Not till November fifteenth. <laughs> not, not till Ultimate. <laughs> and, 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 and all the, and all these games that are coming out now. Why would I want to play them? I want to play oh. Gears or Uncharted. Or... I don't. I don't want to yeah. play that for, for oh. a Subway drink. No, but um... What's that Eco and Shadow of Colossus collection for twenty five dollars at Best Buy on sale? No, I don't need that. Yeah. But you know what? Uh huh. Forty two new colors for uh, uh, Street Fighter Four. I'm on it. Forty nine ninety five. I got it. <laughs> oh, sweet God. I, I can have Ryu wear salmon. Not, <laughs> it's not pink, but it's salmon. All right. En- en- yeah. enough, enough, of, enough about Soul Bro. Somehow it always gets back down to him. Every day. Such <laughs> a narcissist. Every, every day. But uh, anything else on uh, Mr. Lamperouge? No. All right. Who would be next? Chris. I'll throw out one that uh, we don't talk about often, but is worth mentioning. Mm-hmm. That is Gates from Full Metal Panic Second Raid. Mm. Yeah, because this guy not just is, is he a murderer, he's a psychopath. Yeah, never a good combination. Oh, man, usually the best combination, actually. Well, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, if you want people off, yes, but you know, not a not a good combination for just uh, being in society. Yeah, yeah. You, not many jobs you can get 
being a psychopathic murderer. And if I remember correctly, his Japanese voice actor also played Yazan. Oh, man, damn. Which well, just I, makes I, it even even more appropriate <laughs> to listen to them both together. Let me guess, the guy that does Yazan's voice, he, he's, he's kind of stereotyped as being a psychopathic murderer guy. We need a psychopathic murderer guy. Paul, Not necessarily, uh, because he was also uh, Chibode Crockett and uh, the, the master... The master of Zaku's Gavin Gooney. Yeah, Gavin he, Gooney, no way. What yeah. about was he also wasn't he also in Votums as well? Probably. I don't oh, remember. I've got to look him up to, to see who he was the voice of in that. Was, but yeah, yes, he was. He was uh he was nameless grunt number forty two killed by Cheerio. Sweet. <laughs> Sweet. But yeah, Gates is just he's he's the psychopath. He's the very picture of a psychopath. He'll kill anyone on a whim for just saying the slightest thing to upset him. Oh yeah. shoot. Yeah, he's he's that touchy. Yeah, it's he, like, he does not kill if that's an he does not he doesn't kill he does not care if it's an ally or an enemy he's killing because he's just that nuts. He abuses the hell out of those two uh, those two twins. Oh my god! Yes, he's to like bash their teeth out with his pistol. Ooh, damn! Yeah, he's just that nuts. So. Yeah, he's got his he's got his own little he's got his own little boys that he can just pick on there, kind of kind of like um, everybody's favorite transvestite to land. I used to mess with that apple bob dude. Would get to, <laughs> you know. I was thinking the other day I would do a a, a Delandell um, themed AMV to "Dude Looks Like a Lady" by Aerosmith. That'd be nice. hilarious, right? That would that'd be that'd be more than fitting. And a spoiler. Anything else on Gates? It's been 15 years. Statute of ex- statute yeah, I, uh, limitations on spoilers has expired. You, ha- on. you have to remember it, and it's it, it so brandedly off. Uh, the statute of limitations of, of of giving away the ending of something. Mm-hmm. It's like 15 years. So I mean, he and, and so brandedly, uh, you can't. Uh, it's so, can, so brandedly. Uh? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the country. That's my country, huh? Hey, yeah. hey you know. You know um, Darth Vader is Luke's dad. Oh, dude. Uh, verbal was dude, Kaiser I've never Sose. Oh. <laughs> I've seen those movies before. Damn right? you um, people. It, it was Earth all along. Oh, and they blew it up. You never know. It's George, you never know with George Lucas, though, because in a, probably in 15 years, it, uh, Darth Vader may not be Luke's father at that yeah, point. Yeah, you might change it. Mace <laughs> <Base> Windu. <laughs> It's Yoda. I am your father. Yes, I am. Your father am I? <laughs> how are oh liking that God. you? Hmm? Wondering how is possible? Terrible. <laughs> Young boys. Good train. Put, put picture in your head of me and Portman Natalie. And Portman Natalie. <laughs> you can take off your shoes, young boy. Look, oh, look, horrible. Close oh. Oh, why did I say that? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Shades of Chappelle show. Right, we bro, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to name um, a person that we love to hate because I, I guess I'm on the trend of people who got off like, so I might as well say this person. Um, In Victory Gundam, there was a special lady who um, did a bit of killing, and her name was Katagina Luce. And boy, was she a bitch. <laughs> she killed off uh, one of our favorite characters, uh, Odalo Henrik. And needlessly, too. That man died in the in, in, in the 20th, was it the, the, the 24th hour, man? Um. He he died. I'm sorry, the eleventh hour. He died, and um, she also killed off some members of the uh, strike team and yep. some other people, man. And, and she some was a maniac. Members. She killed like most of the strike team. <laughs> well, 
Well, she killed the last of the originals. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then she killed a couple of the replacements. Yeah, yeah, All of was... them had names that escape yeah. me now. Man. She was a she was straight murdering, man. She she realized she had a talent. And every, she took day it, every day I'm murdering. Every day I'm murdering. <laughs> and indeed she did. Indeed she did. But um, eventually she got some justice bestowed upon her. Um, not the blind kind of justice. justice. Blind justice, <laughs> indeed. And, and blind crazy justice. Not of the Rutger Hauer kind. <laughs> That would be more fitting. But yeah, she um she was quite the killer and uh and a lady too. Uh one of our few ladies on the hit list. And and nuts. And um I gotta say that she's definitely up in the uh, she's she's definitely in the charts. But uh what did you guys think? Oh, you pretty much said it. I mean that's there's not much more <laughs> we can say. I mean she she was she was pretty straightforward. Not only that, but she used to sit there and, you know, tease old Uso about staring at her and all this stuff. So, I mean, not only was she just a, a mean bitch about killing, but she was also a, a master man manipulator when it came to screwing with a 13 year old boy's head <laughs> yeah. death to her man she gave him blue balls un- I'm, I'm un- sh- inexcusable i'm sh- i'm sure i'm sure katagina if this was a little bit more adult type of show she she probably would have sat there with her tits hanging out of her normal suit messing with Deuce while they're doing battle saying oh. yeah you want these don't you but now I'm going to uh, open it up to just rapid fire whatever any loose ends that we have before we uh, uh, complete this uh, segment here. So Chris and Silbro will come at me with anything that we missed. I know we're going to miss more, and I know, and it's going to be good that you know just put those things on the forum. We'll get this thread up. So, mm-hmm. um, but definitely, guys. Any anyone else that we've oh I, I got one. I got oh, one. fire I got one. He's he's a guy who is uh, dangerous. In fact, some might say he's Nick the Cage? most dangerous. Isn't Nick Cage dangerous? No, it's not Nick Cage. <laughs> oh, it's not Nick Cage. <laughs> I thought he was Bangkok dangerous. <laughs> that would be BD. Yeah, I'm talking about, I'm talking about MD. MD oh. Geist. Oh, man. Oh, man. A freaking and um. The, the- and actually, he's, 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 re- he's responsible for uh, double homicide because not only what he did on the show, but what he'll do for you for your appreciation of anime. So he'll, he'll almost kill your appreciation for anime, so <laughs> that's a rare feat. He crosses over. He breaks the fourth wall. He breaks the fifth oh, wall. God, he and breaks every yeah. He breaks every wall. He broke the whole foundation, the foundation oh. of anime. Oh, shaking to its core. Good thing he's not on Blu-ray because he'd kill the format. <laughs> because cause we know, we know yeah, that. I think it's because CPM died before John O'Donnell could get it out on Blu-ray. Because <laughs> if, if there was, you know, if there was a first, uh, if there was a first Blu-ray offering from uh, Central Park Media, it would have been MD guys. Can you imagine that? Dir- that direct. Yeah, like, I can imagine people telling him like, "Hey, let's get on this Blu-ray thing. Uh, we got Pat Labor. No, forget that. We got uh, Lotus War. No, forget that." You know, there's only one thing that I want. We got Need- Game of the Fireflies. No, forget that. Need we ask? <laughs> you don't want me to put out a Blu-ray. Can you imagine the banner on the Blu-ray? Now with ten more, ten more minutes of still feet of still scenes. <laughs> ten more minutes of badly animated footage from the '80s. <laughs> Bonus documentaries you never wanted to or hoped to never see. <laughs> You could never possibly not want to know about the creation of this anime that you don't want to watch. Mm. Interview, interview with the voice actor that did MD Guys. So, so sir, how how was it to get into the character of MD Guys? What? Oh, hold on. <laughs> I'll get that order up for you in a second. This guy's asking me a question. Uh, what were you saying, MD Guys? I, I did that a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> on the back, it'll be stamped five stars. Gun down. Yeah. <laughs> Take us completely out of context because no. we gave it five flushes. No, well, it'll, it'll be a scale of four toilets, or five toilets. 
and they'll, they'll misinterpret that as uh, five stars. It's like, oh, yeah. wait a second, five stars, but wait, those are toilets. <laughs> It'll cause us to get our first cease and desist order for somebody. It's like, could you please stop saying that we gave this thing five stars? Be, we gave it five flushes. There'll be an asterisk right next to those stars. <laughs> stars are actually flushes. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so Geist, because he killed the world and he killed anime. <laughs> <laughs> or damn near killed it. Yes. <laughs> somehow it survived. <laughs> somehow. And, he's, and it's somehow he's killing this topic, so. <laughs> Soul Bro, anything else? No, I think we, we ended it on a great note. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Mr. The. Uh, what was it? The Mecha Murderer? No, the no. Mecha Messiah. Messiah. The Mecha Messiah. Sorry. All this murdering is now I'm just t- I'm thinking that. Thank you, the Mr. The Mecha Messiah. Mes- he transformed. He transformed for our sins. Your submission of Mecca murderers, and I think it's just time to end this. You're listening to Gundamon at HQ. <laughs> Hey, buddy, I'm not paying you to hear your thoughts on life. I'm paying you to sing. Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every goddamn word I have to say! If you're into sports, working out, or just need a new pair of shoes, and you're a proud listener of Gundam at MAHQ, well, we got the thing for you. If you go to Gundam.net, you can click on the Champs banner and receive 10% off a $50 or more purchase by entering the code AFMAHQCH or 15% off of a $75 or more purchase using the code AFGUNDCH. If you're a fan of the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, college sports, or even stuff like Major League Soccer and a lot of your uh, premiership soccer jerseys, definitely go to champsports.com for all those needs. And also visit them because they have some great deals on footwear and other products. We, the hosts of Gundam at MHQ, visit champsports.com for all of our footwear and sporting good needs. You should too. Shinjuku Fight Club. That's the one thing they didn't change throughout the whole series. Like they, all three tournaments, they left the time on infinite each time, and I kept telling them every single time, it's like, you guys gonna turn on time? Can I go to options real quick before I'd fight? You know, but they kept it on every single time. So the next time, I've already told them, it's like, if you have another one for ultimate, make sure that shit's on. Was like, the guy was calling me out too. He, he was like, the last time I went to the store and asked him about Ultimate, he's like, oh yeah, and the, you know the guy that beat you last time, he was in here. He's asking about you, wanted to know if you're still playing. Dude, so like, I was like, yeah, it's like I'm still playing. It's like I'm ready for Ultimate. But tell him it's like we're gonna have the time on next time. You know, next time we have the tournament, the time's gonna be on, so you can't run and hide out the whole fight. Next on Shinjuku Fight Club. Be tough. Or be dead, big guy. Ready? Go. Happy birthday. How to say? Well, you could say thank you. Thank you.
Jim. Damn it, Jim. What the hell's the matter with you? Other people have birthdays. Why are we treating yours like a funeral? Bones, I don't want to be lectured. This segment of Gundam at MAHQ is sponsored by Champ Sports. All right, welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. This is Chris, and right now we're going to jump into a topic that uh, we've made mention of in the past in other episodes in one form or another, but we have yet to talk about this show, which is rather criminal. So, like Pat Labor, we're finally addressing this, and that show is the original Bubblegum Crisis. And, and, and see, like... Uh, unlike Jab, man, we are able to admit our failings in life. We didn't do these sooner, but now we are. So Better late than never. Yes. So in this segment, we're going to talk about the original BGC, as well as the prequel 80 Police Files, the original 80 Police Files, not the TV show. And we'll give brief mention to uh, Bubblegum Crash. Oh, just because <laughs> it's from that era. So Bubblegum Crisis is... Without a doubt, uh, one of the quintessential like 80s cyberpunk anime mm-hmm. productions. Right up there on the level with stuff like Megazone 23. Right. You know, this, uh, this series just bleeds Blade Runner. Yes. <laughs> in all of the best ways possible. It sure does. I mean, it, 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 if anything, it, they mention things by name that are, are, are straight homages to Blade Runner. It's no joke. Well, I mean, you got, first of all, you got... The main character, Pris Asagiri, mm-hmm. her name's Priscilla, but her name is Pris, a.k.a. you know the character played by Daryl Hannah. Right. She is a rock star, and her band is called Pris and the Replicants, Replicants. Yep. reference to, uh, to Blade Runner. Or, uh, given the English that was involved, sometimes it's rendered as Pris and the Replicants. <laughs> <laughs> You've got also this whole issue that was also in Blade Runner and has been in a lot of uh, sci-fi stories of the question of drawing the line between what's human and what's cybernetic. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, when cyborgs and robots and androids become so human or people augment their bodies to a certain extent, how do you determine what's human and what's not? Yeah. Is, is, is it actually physically being human or is it a state of mind? Okay, kind of like the whole thing they even talk about in Ghost in the Shell. When do you start, you know, where do you draw that line when it just becomes super fuzzy? Yeah, so in this uh, series, it takes place in the future in the year 2032. Mm. And uh, Tokyo has been uh, devastated by an earthquake. It's been rebuilt. And I believe it's, it's called Mega Tokyo now? Yeah, yeah. it's just Mega Tokyo. Mega Tokyo. Mm. So Mega Tokyo is your typical, like, dystopian future as envisioned in the 80s where you have big gleaming skyscrapers you know overpowering the landscape and then you've got a dirty undertown where you've got loads of crime and violence and and poverty and poverty and prostitution and drugs and all of that stuff 
Mm -hmm. Just like you would see in stuff like Blade Runner or Ghost in the Shell or any of these other types of dystopian cyberpunk futures. Mm -hmm. So you have uh, this company called Genome that basically rules Megatokyo. Mm-hmm. They pretty much own the city, literally, with a kinda cybernetic like, fist. Kind of like, uh, kind of like uh, RoboCop, the RoboCop company. OCP, man. Yeah, OCP. Yeah. Hell yeah, shades yeah. of it. Pretty much. So, Jen, and of course, they do all sorts of uh, dirty experiments, just like OCP does. Mm-hmm. And they produce these androids called Boomers that service all sorts of different functions. You have military Boomers. Mm-hmm. You have construction Boomers. You have sex Boomers. Right. Actual sexeroids. Sexeroids. Yeah. <laughs> so every once in a while, well, not every once in a while, quite frequently, actually, <laughs> you have boomers going completely berserk. Yeah, they make it sound like it's every so often, but it seems like every other week it's going It on. seems like it happens, like, way too much. <laughs> like, every day there's a boomer going nuts. <laughs> so the boomers are ultra-powerful. Even the sexeroids, for some odd reason, I don't know why you would make sexeroids, like, super strong. Yeah. But they do. So all of these rampaging boomers, taking them down is the job of a special police force called the AD police, as opposed to what's called the normal police, Mm -hmm. which handles regular crime. So the AD police, they're outfitted with special weapons. They've got like battle suits, hovercrafts, and they always leave a uh, streak of damage where they go. So they're kind of like... The ultra-violent cops who get the job done, kind of like, say, Dominion Tank Police, or even, to a certain extent, Pat Labor. No doubt. (laughs) But, in some cases, actually in many cases, even the AD police aren't enough. So you've got this mercenary group of four chicks called the Night Savers, although nobody knows that it's girls. Mm -hmm. And they have these uh, powered hard suits, as well as these motorcycles that can transform into, like, uh, additional armor for them, kind of like a Mospeda. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. So you get the story of these four girls who are the night sabers and uh, the kind of double lives they lead because they're mercenaries by night, but during the day they have their own lives. You got Pris, the main character, who, as I mentioned, she's a musician. She's got a rock band, so, you know, she's playing at clubs, and then later she's, you know, being the shadow of boomers. You have uh, Celia, who has all the technology. She bankrolls the group. And her cover is a lingerie shop. Uh, it certainly is. <laughs> With her, her little brother being one of their mechanics. Ooh. Then you got this chick, Lena, who uh, just an office girl. Mm-hmm. Pretty standard cover. Then you got um, Nene uh, as the cute little mascot girl because she's the smallest and the youngest and the weakest and uh, the most naive. And she actually <laughs> works in 80 Police. So she works as the group's hacker and also their mole to get information from the police department. She she has her uses, although, you know, in the battlefield, she's, she's constantly the one that's always um, getting saved. She's, she's actually my favorite one out of the four, I've got to say. She's Soul Bro's girl. You, you're welcome. There you go. So you have sort of a continuing story of all of the dirty experiments that Genome is up to. You have the 80 police investigating uh you have this character leon mcnichol he's the the point man of the 80 police who has a thing for pris Mm -hmm. his uh gay partner daily who's always hitting on him daily just wants to take him back to the shack show him how a real man does it (laughs) (laughs) oh daily (laughs) so the original story of bubblegum crisis played out over eight episodes Mm -hmm. over the span of almost four years and unfortunately we never got to find out how it would end because after episode 8 there was a huge 
fallout between the production companies Umex and Arcmic, mm-hmm. and the story pretty much just ends. Darn. Yeah. You can see where it's going. This whole there's a conspiracy with Genome. There's this guy who um, is pretty much the main villain. Uh, his name's Mason, but then he shows up later. There's another dude named Largo. Right. Doing all sorts of uh, machinations of using Genome, trying to take over Genome. Um, you'll see. <laughs> don't want to get too much into that, but it just ends with an average episode. Not average as in bad, but just a typical episode, and we never know what was planned for those next five episodes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, gentlemen, what do you uh, think your impressions on Bubblegum Crisis? We'll start with Solbro, Mr. Nostalgia. Mr. Nostalgia. Well, let me, let me tell you a story. Um, I was in high school. About how your life got flipped, turned upside down? Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> I was uh, in high school. I was in uh, 10th grade. And uh, I remember a friend of mine had an issue of An American Magazine. I'd never seen this magazine before, but on the cover was Pris in that, um, in that famous picture of hers where she's uh, kind of in her, in, her, in her hard suit, but it's exploding off of her. And mm-hmm. she's got her hands above her head. And it was a big, in, inside the magazine was a big expose on Bubblegum Crisis, a, uh, a, a little bit of an introduction of the series to American audiences who hadn't seen it yet. And I read that that magazine from front to cover. I never even read an anime fanzine before and uh, An America was my first one I ever got to read and it, it featured Bubblegum Crisis. And soon after that, after I moved down here to Florida, a friend of mine had the uh, the fan subs on bootleg tape. So I borrowed them and watched them and I, I loved them. Uh, I, I thought they were the coolest things since sliced bread. <laughs> um, when I watched it, the quality wasn't all that great. But um, I remember uh, still being just enamored when watching them. And uh, I remember back then that my favorite episodes were uh, there were three episodes in particular that were my favorites. The first is Revenge Road, episode four, where you just have the simple story of the, the car episode. The car the episode. The guy in the car. The guy in the yeah. car. I mean, it, it, it's not the most in-depth episode when it comes to characters and, and whatnot, but you, it's a revenge story, so you don't really have to have much depth there. Just a guy whose uh, girl went into shell shock when he was joyriding with her in a car, and they were jumped by a motorcycle gang. And uh, he wanted to get revenge on any kind of motorcycle gangs that were out there, so he, he jacked up his car and... Uh, jacked himself into it. Jacked himself into it and made that thing super powerful. He pretty much created himself a Bugatti Veyron that, uh, from hell. <laughs> and, and That's took it, it and took it to the wangan to get some revenge on the on the on the assholes that were causing people all sorts of trouble so you feel like you're in it you're in his corner but eventually his obsession gets out of control you know it's it's going to cause more harm than good to him and his lady and um i, I just like that story i like all the all the all the parts that everybody plays in it and the it's the introduction of also a character named doc or the doctor who uh pris repeatedly calls pops He's one of the cooler characters, and I guess this is the only episode you see him in. I, 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 I for some reason, I had an, I, an impression that you saw him more in this series than um you actually do. But uh, he he knows who the uh, the the night sabers are, and I guess he helps Cilia develop the technology for the uh for the for the hard suits, or helps out in some way, shape, or form. But he's a a genius uh uh mechanic or uh, a genius technician who uh, is able to work on their stuff. And um, no, it's a great episode from start to finish, and it's one of the few episodes where the uh the feature characters don't die <laughs> at the end um they actually get rescued and uh, everything but gets almost resolved. pretty much every guest character always oh, dies oh my god that's the one oh, thing yeah. about bubbling a crisis the guest characters usually bite it and <laughs> aside from revenge road my other two favorite episodes are the ones that follow directly afterwards and they're, they're both directed by Mas- masami obari uh who you know from um series like uh detonator detonator organ 
and um, what's the other Super Robot Wars? Super Robot Wars, and he's just you know a director that he's he's been doing robot stuff for a long time, and he was do he did these back in the eighties. But um, the next two episodes are uh, Moonlight Rambler and uh, Red Eyes, which pretty much go from go back to back. It's pretty much two parter where it introduces Largo, which Brian J Mason, Brian, pretty much Brian J Mason's uh, alter alter identity. Uh, he transfer, transfers himself into a, a boomer body, and uh, he's not that big of a presence in the fifth episode, but in the sixth episode, he is the guy. And, and the thing about I always notice, notice about Obari's work is that he always has some kind of godlike figure as the villain. <laughs> in most of his works and um largo definitely fits the bill he also takes his visual um his dress cues from uh harvey dent <laughs> the way he dresses but largo was a badass I-, I love the fact that he was in control of the satellite cannons and um anytime i watch anything with a satellite cannon in it whether it be gears of war and the hammer of dawn or the batman uh batman uh beyond uh movie the return of the joker where there were satellite cannons in that it always throws back to uh to Largo and his control of the satellite cannons and the damage he wielded with that. But the, the fight he has between Pris towards the end of that is so fist of the star, fist of the North starish <laughs> that it's a little bit laughable, but at the same time, just ultra cool. And I, I, I just, I loved his character and how he just toyed with everybody from start to finish. Really cool. But uh, I could talk about this all day. Neo, what were, what were some of your thoughts or favorite episodes? Um, well, I, I don't know if I have too much of a particular one because I do kind of all like them the same. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's one of these situations where I like the fact that you have the ongoing story, but yet these are all kind of kind of self-contained mm-hmm. little things going on. I, I did like the Revenge Road one because that was um, a lot different because in the end, the guy wasn't really a boomer. He was just kind of jacking into his car and stuff and just was, you know, it was just kind of a, tr- a traditional type of revenge uh, motive for um, a character to do what he did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I, th- I think one of the things that I really like about the show is, yeah, it brings up the, all the questions that we had talked earlier about when it comes to... Um, you know cybernetics and what is and what isn't a human but it's it's just got that typical that typical 80s uh feel of the daunting corporate entity that's just there in the background and that's in, involved in everything and that even the people that are working for it and even parts of it that are there you know that are kind of subsidized by it they realize that this is kind of an evil thing and it's 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 funny how with the night sabers in a way people and especially with the ad police especially with leon and stuff they they understand what their role is and that something like this is important for Mm -hmm. this society because you know uh, they're they're involved in everything and it's and it's almost the the night sabers are almost there needed as kind of not necessarily a voice for the people but just kind of uh, a check and balance with the way that that society is going and of course it it is it is that de- it has got that definite 80s feeling of you know i guess what was going on at the time in japan during the 80s where they were becoming you know an economic power and this is the vision just like we saw like in pat labor and stuff where this is the vision of where they think that the city uh you know in that country would be it'd be out of control controlled by corporations who would just have people uh, buying and doing their uh, you know doing their their bidding and not not to mention be a a whole lot more multicultural which is was definitely evident in um in 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 mega tokyo is that a lot of foreigners living there (laughs) 
Yeah. Like, yeah. For example, Leon McNichol, not a very yeah. Japanese name. His boss too. Yeah. yeah, and 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 so I mean, you got it, it, it's 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 one of those ones where it really does kind of hold the test of time. Where we see some of this stuff did happen, but just like we had mentioned with Pat Labor, you know, of course, the Japanese economy had some issues in the '90s and the 2000s. Some so issues. It's, it's not. Oh, I'm being nice. Um, it's it's uh, you know it, it just hasn't gotten to that point. But it's a cool kind of what if type of deal. And you know the other thing about it that just makes it it gives you kind of that throwback is uh, the music. Is you know it's yes. just so quintessentially 80s. And it's mm-hmm. good 80s music. It's not some of that crap that people love to you know hear from that time. But it's just out and out garbage. It's uh, you know it's yep. it's. It's good stuff, and um, you know, and it's one of those shows where the use of the music. Yes, we have the the plot device of Chris being uh, the singer and stuff, but the use of the music is is it really sets the mood and sets the tone of a lot of these episodes. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's not always something where it's and they don't fall in the trap of where every song seems like it's being done by Pris at some type of uh, you know some type of concert you know some of it some of it is like that some of it isn't and it just kind well, of works in it that helps way. that that Pris's uh, voice actress All right. w- was an actual rock singer yeah All right Kinoko and, did, Amori. Yeah, and did and did you know the actual singing so that that, that that's a nice touch yeah 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 i, I still I her still... voice is like her voice you know you, she really sticks out because she doesn't have like one of these typical like sweet sounding japanese Anime voices, voices for women yeah she's yeah. got uh, a very throaty like cigarette smoking voice it's, she's yeah. very punkish man for, yeah for real. it really adds an edge to the character to have that kind of voice that she does dude i still rock out the konyawa hurricane man all the time <laughs> i love that jam oh my god which you'll hear in this segment <laughs> I'm already hearing it in my head. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, she she's she was definitely very picky. If you look up her, I um the, the her work, really the only voice character that she the character she voiced was Pris, and it was only throughout uh, Bubblegum Crisis itself. Yeah, um, she didn't uh, come back for Crash. Other than if if you if you are a fan of hers, um, also know that she did the opening theme to uh, Secret of Blue Water as well. And um, that, I I love that song too. Uh, if anything, I I if if look up her work, Kinoko. Kinu, Kinuko um, Omori, and I'm probably slaying her name, but uh, she's definitely Not one of those as bad standouts. As would. <laughs> I would have gotten, gotten that on one perfectly. Hmm? Any further comments on Crisis? Um, you know, I, for people uh, that haven't seen it, and I know there's sometimes people are a little uh, put off by some of these older shows, this one does hold up very well, especially um, in the Blu ray format now. Yes. It looks amazing. Um, you know, but it, it's it's once again, it seems like it's one of those shows that was a little far ahead of its time when it comes to some of the themes and just the way that it told the story. And I think, um, you know, sometimes people always the 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 the, uh, the word timeless is sometimes misused for to describe a lot of things. But I think I think in a lot of aspects, this is a uh, this is an anime that you can kind of call timeless because. Uh, I don't know how it's going to be 20 years from now, but I think uh, there's some way that this this it'll show would punk. still, it'll yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, we'll yeah, we'll, we'll we'll all have nicely done mohawks and wear tires and like uh, you know pieces of metal chairs and stuff. That'll be the uh, and spikes and spikes and uh, looking for food or no, uh, looking for fuel. So, so uh, no, no, I'm surprised. No mention from you about your lord and master Ikeda, who who was in this oh, fine yeah. production. Well, I mean, he was the voice he, of Brian J. Mason. 
yep. you don't have to sit there and you, you know I don't have to hype up his resume any more than I, <laughs> I need to. I mean, we all know you already have. Yeah, I mean he's. I mean it's Akeda. I mean you you know and and it's just like I've always said. Mm-hmm. If they if they were ever to re-release the Blu-rays over here and you know you just everyone else in English except for him, you just keep it the way it is. <laughs> Even though he's named Brian J. Mason. <laughs> so, oh, man. but yeah, I mean, hey, who else do you want to be um, to be the baddie or the the justified Nobody. antagonist? Mm-hmm. So Nobody ever. Yeah. <laughs> so, but um, anyone who uh, who has been listening to Gundam or Chaos Theater mm-hmm. knows that I am a sucker for dystopian cyberpunk futures. You got it. Well, I think because, a lot of people are because it, it it's it's just you know it's that whole what if and there's so many parallels to our current situation. Yeah, because the thing about them is as outlandish as they could look, sometimes there was so much visual imagination in a lot of these cyberpunk futures. I mean, take for example Blade Runner, a movie that was made in 1982. Mm-hmm. It's almost 30 years old. It still looks futuristic. Yeah, to this day. Yeah. I mean, how many 30-year-old movies about the future can you say look futuristic? Uh, look at, say, Total Recall. <laughs> look how cheesy 80s that movie is. Oh. RoboCop. Oh, yeah. RoboCop is still a great movie, don't get me mm-hmm. wrong, but good God, is it a cheesy 80s vision of the future. <laughs> it hasn't so aged well. It's not aged well at all. The but most futuristic car ever, the Ford Taurus. <laughs> I'll buy yeah. that for a dollar. Well, hey, you know, we're in the year 2011, and it took this long to finally kill off the Crown Vic as a police car, so. <laughs> oh, that's true. All that time. <laughs> but anyway, you know, movies like Blade Runner, they are so imaginative with their design of their world that it's just sort of like a visual feast just looking at what they do, regardless of the quality of set story. Bubblegum Crisis certainly has that. You really have, like I said, the gleaming skyscrapers, the nice, clean, futuristic, fancy parts, and then the dirty, forgotten areas that um, all the riffraff live in. Mm-hmm. Well, I, th- I think the reason why stuff like that works is because with all this, all the shows that you and the movies that you had referenced, is that there's within all of these, with all these universes and these environments that they create, there's still vestiges of common things of our common day in there it's like yeah, it's not that the, far removed you still have you know you know cars and and yeah you know, people on public phones and you know dirty restaurants and little rundown parts of town you know dirty mechanic shops it's still there's a grittiness to it that grounds it and makes it feel more real than a lot of these like utopian futures where everything is so bright and shiny and cleaning mm-hmm. yeah like like star trek because you know, Star Trek, not to, you know, to crap on it, but the thing, the problem yeah. with it, some of it is, is that it just seems so clean and utopian as, as we go, as we pass on after these shows are made, it just starts to look kind of silly, you know? Or and, something like, say, Demolition Man. The three shells, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, I mean, you're right. I mean, the whole idea, I mean, I like Demolition Man. It's a fun action movie, but the mm-hmm. idea of that future is just so ridiculous. It's laughable. You can, you don't believe that Taco Bell would win the fast food wars? Oh, uh, oh that Arnold Schwarzenegger become president after the constitutions are ended? <laughs> well, I think there's I think there were some people. If you would ask that six years ago, there were some people that would have gone uh, gone uh, gone with that idea. <laughs> well, maybe, but not anymore. Oh man, so, hell no. Yeah, I like the 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 grounded nature of some of these dystopian productions like Crisis. Mm-hmm. So that makes it feel futuristic, but not too outlandish. 
So that definitely works. I think they do a good job of, you know, the question of how do you draw the line between cybernetics and humanity. In the mm-hmm. first episode, you have that little boomer girl who gets tragically killed. Right. And she's a sympathetic character. You have this whole mystery between Celia and Mason because you find out that Mason killed her dad, who was a scientist. Mm-hmm. And there is some question about whether Celia herself might be a boomer, which never gets resolved. Yeah, they, they always, a, yeah, they always kind of imply it. You always get the, and I always thought that uh, Maki was one too. I always get this weird feeling that both of them, either either that or they have some type of implants in them. You know, yeah, there's there's definitely the implication that they're cyborgs or boomers or something about them, and they always mm-hmm. dance around it. And I presume that they probably would have gotten to this in the last five episodes had they happened. Yeah. yeah, there's never a mention of their mother either. You know, it's just just yeah. pretty much a reference to their father and how he tragically died, and then um, pretty much the mystery of their origin. Yeah, it and, could very well be that they're his children in the sense that he created them yeah. in a lab. She's a small wonder. <laughs> yeah. Overall, I would say great action, great story, great characters, incredible animation, especially in the new Blu-ray version. Yes. And just great everything. The fact that it doesn't, the fact that it doesn't have an ending doesn't really impact things much because it had a continuing story, but it's not like you're dropped with a lot of things left in the balance. Yeah. And um, it's, it's, I mean, it, it, was, it was typical of all the OVAs back then, too. They just they ran their course and eventually they came to an end either due to due to breaking up because of the studios or lack of funding or just lack of interest. Well, in this case, there was specifically you know legal battles that we'll get yeah. to in a minute. So Bubblegum Crisis is kind of a unique situation mm. compared to most other unfinished OVAs of the 80s and 90s. Right. So I want to move on now and talk briefly about 80 Police Files. Oh, all right. And this is a three-episode OAV that came out in 1990. So this is before. All of the bad stuff went down between uh, Umex and Artmic. Mm-hmm. And it's a prequel OVA set five years before BGC. And it's all about Leon's early days in the 80 police. The actual opening of the first episode is him as a normal police officer killing a female boomer. Mm-hmm. And then we see how he gets uh, promoted into 80 police and gets paired with a uh, tough chick named Gina. Mm-hmm who kind of reminds me of sort of like uh, sort of a uh, major Kusanagi type. Yeah, that's, that's exactly the, the same kind of um, parallels I, I, I was seeing with her character too. Um, she reminds me a lot of the major as well. Yeah, so these three episodes, they're all self-contained stories. They're all about, you know, hunting down boomers. There's no continuing story. And surprisingly, as I was watching this, I was a little um, caught off guard that Leon doesn't really do much in these episodes. <laughs> no, he doesn't. I mean, they're ostensibly about him and his early days, but you don't really see much development with him. It's just him and Gina investigating stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering if at some point they would explain, like, where did this chick Gina go and how did he end up with Daly as his partner? But they, yeah. they never do answer that question. They, they never answer that question. Mm-hmm. I do want to mention, though, uh, about Bubblegum Crisis, one minor point about Daily, which uh, I think should be uh, highlighted, and that is, especially since this was made in the 80s, yeah. this guy is probably one of the most nondescript gay characters I've ever seen in any anime. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he was. You wouldn't know he was gay, except for some of the remarks he makes. Yeah. yeah. You know, he, he's not... 
the stereotype that you even see today mm-hmm. in anime of gay characters being like ridiculously flamboyant, feminine, effeminate, womanized types that are sexual predators always trying to like uh, scoop up heterosexual men and just gobble them up alive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he'd, he'd make comments to Leon, but it was almost like... It was, it was almost just an like in-joke between just, them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. As I, as I mentioned in a previous episode, he was the first homosexual character I ever was um, introduced to in anime. And on top of that, they were always very ambiguous about, um, about Pris's sexual orientation as well. So yeah. um, there was always a little bit of mystery w- when it came to her as well. But yeah, daily it was clear that he was. And uh, he, he was a cool character, man. He was still- yeah, he's a cool guy. Mm-hmm. And... He's very open about being gay. He mm-hmm. would always make jokes with Leon. He would always be like faux hitting on him. But, <laughs> you know, he just completely did not fit any of the stereotypes that were around then mm-hmm. or that are still around now. So I think that's pretty noteworthy that uh, the show was quite progressive in that aspect. Daily Wong, man. So anyway, um, you know, the three stories in 80 Police Files are nothing special. The first one, they're hunting down... Or rather, Leon is being hunted by a boomer that he killed, the one that you see him kill in the opening, who then got recycled and retained that memory and wanted him to come kill her. Right. Then the second one, you have a serial killer who is this woman who had herself uh, mostly cyborgified because of uh, her husband. She had all of her uh, reproductive organs removed and a bunch of her body cyberneticized, and then she just kind of went nuts and became a serial killer and started killing a bunch of prostitutes because uh, she caught him cheating with a hooker so she would go around like cutting out their abdomens. Now, tell me if this isn't a little bit odd. They say this episode, a lot of it hinges on this old rundown subway called Paradise Loop where it's said that you can go there and you can get hookers, you can get drugs, yada yada. They explain that... uh, this is the old subway line, and then they built the new subway line, but somehow the power stayed on, and some of the trains kept running, and it's become a no-man's land. Right. How does it make sense that like, a city would create a new subway system and just leave the old one available and abandoned? <laughs> or, and, and leave the power on. And leave the power on. Like, how, does, the- how does that make any sense whatsoever? Uh, the the power part was the part that got me. I mean, yeah, it's like oh, somehow the power got left on. What do you mean somehow? Like, wouldn't you shut off the uh, the power? Wouldn't you take the trains off the tracks? Wouldn't mm-hmm. you seal up the stations and make them completely unusable, uh, inaccessible? Well, I, I I could understand them with the with maybe the lines abandoning them because we you know how sometimes the bureaucracy works and all that. But yeah, you're right about the trains because you would think maybe you might want to use those on the other. Um, you know the, the the new line because you know trains are expensive and they probably still had some usefulness to them but yeah the, yeah the the whole thing about the power always got me because it would have been okay if they said well they tapped into the main line and you know somehow yeah. commandeered power then that, that or they I just get. or they just yeah. broke into the station and they just hang out in the station but the fact that yeah. you have trains running in an abandoned subway makes no sense whatsoever that's just something that kept bugging me the whole episode it, it, it's it's a it's a little weird I mean but that's that's kind of the the thing with 80 police files is it's just there's certain things you'd watch and you're just like okay it, it, you know this isn't it's not a big sticking point but this is kind of 
of stupid. Like, why Why is this going on? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So Also uh, worth noting that this episode features a plucky young female police officer who, if she sounds familiar to you, it's because it's the voice actress who does Izumi in Pat Labor. Yeah. Oh, nice. Pretty much the same sort of character. <laughs> Wasn't too tough to read for that role, huh? I guess not. <laughs> And then the third episode is what I like to call Bad RoboCop. Yeah. <laughs> Bad RoboCop. <laughs> RoboCop gone rogue. Yeah, because we have a guy who, he's a cop. He got killed in the line of duty. Mm-hmm. Got turned into a cyborg. The only part of his body, his physical human body that's left, is his brain and his mm-hmm. tongue. Oh. And the only way that he feels any sensation at all is to bite his own tongue. Oh, jeez. Yeah. So his brain basically is just floating in this metal body mm-hmm. he's got sensory deprivation it drives him nuts and he starts going on a killing spree within 80 police headquarters jeez man and has to get put down by gina who as it turns out was uh his old flame yeah oh no way yeah so i think it's interesting that basically this ba- this guy is pretty much robocop but shows what would have happened if Murphy had gone the wrong way yeah. <laughs> and hadn't regained his humanity and then became a psycho killing machine that good guy to have when he's on your side, but <laughs> not the guy that you want to be fighting against. Sh- should have never made him out of titanium, right? <laughs> Oops. You know, that, 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 that fatal flaw, you know, the, uh, the fatal flaw that uh, Weapon X had where they did Wolverine, they gave him adamantium <laughs> skeleton. It's like... And sent him on his way. Well, mm. the, the other fatal flaw is um, no kill switch. No kill yeah, that too. He'll always be obedient, won't he? Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll just we'll just we'll just prey on his sense of honor and doing the right thing. Yeah. Wait till he finds out that you guys are a bunch of scumbags. <laughs> what do you think he's gonna do then? So. Yeah. Or or the hot daughter thinks that the doctor thinks that she can uh, sex him up by you know kissing him and rubbing her boobs on him until then, of course, when he crushed her head. Yeah. Yeah. One of, one of those classic anime things. Hot chick, crush head. So, but so uh, comments on eighty police files, Neo. Um, I think you pretty much had it. I, I, I I've never been. It's it's nothing that's going to really rock your socks off. And like you said, it is uh, a little odd that Leon is almost kind of in the background at some points because you figure it's going to be a little bit more in there. But I, I, you can you can see that this was just kind of probably some type of caveat to kind of contribute continue this uh, this universe and. It just fleshes out the universe a little bit more, yeah. showing showing you some more of what the police are doing because there's no night sabers. There's no even like mention of you, know, you don't even see like background cameos of say Pris or Silly or any of these people. It's all about eighty police. Um, surprisingly, no, really, no mention of Genome. Yeah. No, not at all. It's it's just it's just uh you know it's just that typical type of police thing, and and it was nice because you know within Bubblegum Crisis you get this feeling that you know or you know there's this impression that the eighty police are just like these hot blooded guys that they yeah they get the job done but at the cost of like lives and and millions of dollars worth of uh, property damage and stuff like this and it, and it is kind of nice to see it where yeah they still have that aspect to them but it's just showing kind of like what they do on a day-to-day basis and it was cool to see him kind of coming up you know he's he's not you know he's not inspector leon here he's just you know officer leon so 
it's uh, it a little kind of cool to see that. Oh, Ricky Detective Leon. Pretty yeah. much. I would say overall, it's it's nothing special. It's not yeah. as good as the series that it's derived from as yeah. its parent, but it's still entertaining nonetheless and worth a watch. And, a, I, and, I, and I think at three episodes, I don't think they were intending it to be like, yeah. you know, make you forget about Bubblegum Crisis. It was yeah. just probably something, yeah. some leftover, yeah. th- you know, it almost seems like it might have been leftover things that they may have had for the additional um the additional episodes, you know, like reminiscing type scenes or whatever, or, you know, just something just to kind of, you know, keep the fans going. So, And for all we know, there could have intended to be more episodes of 80 Police Files, but then they put the kibosh on that when yeah. all the stuff went down with BGC. So we'll never know. But it's it's entertaining. It's worth watching. There's, there was also a, a manga for it. Um, I remember in that issue of On America that I had that um, there was a manga that was in, 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 in inserted into there of 80 Police that gave you a little bit of insight on Gina. Gina's character, which was really cool. Uh, I, re- I remember a particular scene where she had to throw up in a sink, <laughs> which wasn't all that appealing, but it, it still sticks out in my mind. But yeah, uh, 80 Police, it, 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 the tone's different too in 80 Police when you when you watch it. It feels a whole lot different from Bubblegum Crisis, and yeah, and um, yeah, it's 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 a shame that Leon doesn't play a more prominent role. I mean, he's there, but um, he's not the uh, the cocky guy that we know from Bubblegum Crisis. But it, it's cool to see him and and his and his humble beginnings and his pairing up with Gina and, and whatnot. I saw it a long time ago, the OVA series. I never saw the third episode, but I saw the first two on um, on Fansub. It was cool. And lastly, we're talking about something that uh, does not at all compare to its predecessor, and that is Bubblegum Crash. Ooh. This is a three-episode OVA that came out in 1991, and it's set supposedly like maybe a year or two after Crisis. Yeah. And allegedly the whole thing point of Crash is to wrap up the story from Crisis, Mm -hmm. but really that's not true at all. Mm. It's like a separate story, it almost seems like. Well, it, it, it more than that. First of all, Mega Tokyo has been completely redesigned. Yeah. Oh, wow. And doesn't look at all like what it used to. Now it's like just a gleaming metropolis all around. Mm-hmm. You know, they ditched the 80s cyberpunk future of, you know, the, the gleaming skyscrapers matched with the, uh, the dirty suburbs. Right. Yeah. And dirty everything. Everything is bright and shiny everywhere. So they totally cleaned up the look which i don't like damn you 90s <laughs> yeah they redesigned the hard suits and the hard suits don't look as cool as they used to because they were originally designed by Ken- kenichi sonoda mm-hmm. who of course is also famous for stuff like uh, gunsmith cats and, and writing Bean. Bean. yep um they changed pris's voice actress they also mm-hmm. changed around the personalities of the characters because now pris is a pop idol yeah wow Rather instead than of a, like a rock chick, yeah. Instead of a rock chick, she would never ever be a pop idol. Wow, wow, they really they really betrayed her character like that. Wow, I didn't uh, know that. Lena became like some kind of like high powered day trader. What? Yeah. <laughs> from a, from nice. a like, instructor to the instructor to day trader. <laughs> yeah. And she's and like she's, just totally obsessed with making more money. Goodness. Yeah, yeah. It's like commodities uh, trader or something. <laughs> it's just like it's <laughs> there. Yeah. Uh, Nene and Celia, they're kind of the same, you know, kind of mm-hmm. still doing the same thing. Uh, of course, the Night Sabers have sort of been broken up, mm-hmm. so they've all gone in their own direction. And, you know, the attempt to get them back together doesn't work at first because most of them don't want anything to do with, uh, with the Night Sabers anymore, even though Ooh. there's a problem going on that they can deal with, that they have to deal with. And overall, the whole story of, um, you know, stopping this 
thing that's drilling towards the power plant that'll blow up the whole city. Right. I really don't see how that was supposed to tie in with the story of the original BGC, especially because there's virtually no mention at all of the stuff that happened in BGC. Yeah. Yeah. Genome practically doesn't exist anymore. There's no mention of them at all. It's like they never existed. That, that's, that's ridiculous. Because they were always the, the main antagonists of the series, and they just, they just completely just wrote them out like that? Yeah, yeah pretty much. Before, they were Umbrella before Umbrella. And oh, we, wow. You know? <laughs> LexCorp before... No, yeah. <laughs> of, the, of cyberspace. <laughs> of the yes, cy- of, of, of not cyberspace, but of, uh, of uh, cyberpunk. There you go. So, and to get a little meta here, mm-hmm. so we have BGC, which, you know, you had this fallout between uh, Umex and Artmic that ended in legal problems, and then supposedly... You got this coming out to wrap up the story, but then because of those issues, there were legal battles over Crash as well. Jeez. So from what I've read, even Crash is incomplete. It doesn't tell the story that it set out to tell. Wow. What a fail. Pretty much. I mean, it's not a bad series. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't fit very well with Crisis. And if you watch this expecting some kind of revolution resolution, you're going to be pretty disappointed. Absolutely, yeah. it's okay it, it, on its own, but not anything amazing. It, it's just kind of it's just kind of the generic type of reunion show of you know there's one last thing we got to do and and yeah, like Chris said, the whole thing with the the you know the drill going to the power plant and it's just going to wipe out everything. It's just I don't know. It's just it's just off base of what you were used to when it came to crisis and it's just you know and, and i guess i guess you know looking at it that way and then knowing all the legal problems you can see why it ended up the way it is i mean yeah there's no, probably legal because of legal issues is why they completely avoided mention of anything from the first series or antagonists from the first series and we've seen other cases where this happened before yeah, it's it, it definitely seems a product of uh, court battles, because <laughs> because I, I would imagine if we were able to obtain the first draft of what they wanted to do, it's probably going to be a lot closer to crisis than what actually ended up being. So, I mean, in all honesty, um, if you're you don't have to watch this after watching Crisis, I mean, you can deal with to me watching AD Police. That's that's one last little kind of thing to go in there, but. Um, crash you don't really have to get into it and mm-hmm. you know, definitely if you're going to watch it don't think that it's going to be resolving anything from uh, <laughs> from crisis because you're going to be sadly disappointed so well damn it's not as bad as Nadesco prince of darkness when it comes oh. to a type of thing but you have to mention that damn <laughs> um, the hierarchy of reunion type things it's, mm-hmm. it's not as disappointing not as <laughs> oh, I mean it's not even close that's 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 horrible. I mean, I agree with Chris's rating on that. Zero stars. Well, don't, don't make it my. What wasn't his rating? It was not my review. <laughs> hey, you're MHQ. Not on me. I'm not Mr. MHQ. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but I, right, well, I think I think we've said all there is to say about this subject. Well, I mean, this is one last thing. Uh, we we are aware that there was a, a an actual a TV series of uh, Bubblegum Crisis Tokyo. 2040, and there's also a television series that's a sequel to the AD Police OVA called AD Police to Serve and Protect. Um, that came out in 1999, and Parasite Dolls is also part of the uh, universe as well. But we don't have time to talk about those. <laughs> 
and we may or may not in the future. No promises. Yeah, no, no problem. But um, back to you, Chris. All right, that uh, wraps up this discussion of Bubblegum Crisis and some of its related projects. We'll be right back. You're listening to Gundam at MHQ. In a world where vivid flashbacks can strike without warning. In a world where a submissive adolescent must pilot a giant humanoid robot to save humanity. In the same world where a two-legged quadruped can run leisurely at the speed of sound with the aid of jewelry. Only one podcast can discuss this with their sanity intact. And this is Not That Podcast. www.ssapodcast.com The Ass Backwards Enemy Podcast. Oh wait, I was supposed to use that voice in the beginning. Uh, let's go again. Greetings, I am Andrew Cook, the host of Pretentious Internet Theater. Each month, I bring you the finest in literature that internet fan fiction has to offer. Join us, won't you? At tinyurl.com slash pitpodcast. Remember, there is much drama on the internet, but only the best makes pretentious internet theater. Damn it, Bob! I'm about to reach over there and tear you a new... Don't be a jackass! I'm you, Bob! We talk this out! I don't see any need for that kind of language. Now, if you yeah, want to go outside right now, I'll no, take both of uh, you! We're gonna vote, right Alan! Now. We're not gonna fight! We're gonna oh. vote! Let's vote! Let's vote, and then we'll fight! Welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. We're rounding out the episode with a visit to the old uh, post office. We're going to pass the mic over to our postmaster general. That's right, Chris, as he opens up the mailbag. Hit him with it, Chris. All right. Our first question comes from our pal Dalo. who says, if you had to design a Valkyrie based on a real-life jet fighter like the F-22 Raptor or design one that was completely original, how would you make it look? Uh, I know. I, I, would, I always wanted to see a, uh, a Valkyrie that was based on the Harrier jet. And um, probably uh, more so the Hawker P one one two seven. I was uh, that's my favorite Harrier jet. I, w- I always love seeing those 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 jets take off and, and fly off, uh, and, and to see a uh, a Valkyrie do that, which a Valkyrie can because it's in um in in Guardian. I'm oh, sorry, um, 
Gerwalk mode, that's exactly how it takes off. <laughs> but it's, I always wanted to see one based on the Harrier jet, so that's my pick. Well, maybe the F-22 or what's the other one, the F-35? So, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, I never really thought about that before. <laughs> and I, I'm actually pretty good with the choices that we have. So, um, maybe, um, maybe the B-2 bomber. <laughs> Oh, that's, we actually, that's we not actually a kinda had that though, because Diamond, well, Diamond Force Co was kind of like the, uh, was it the 117 or whatever? Mm-hmm. The what did the Stealth Fighter? I don't even know what the designation of that one is. The, the Stealth Fighter, and that looked like the Diamond Force, or the, you know, the ones in uh, Macross. True. So I don't know. Chris, you got any picks? I wish I had a better I, answer. <laughs> I wouldn't mind seeing what a Valkyrie would look like based off the uh, Warthog. Oh, oh shoot! The, yeah, the. Um, the tank buster one, right? Yeah, that's pretty bad. That's a pretty badass choice, man. I would, I would like to see that design. That would be, would be kind of neat. So his next question is: for all of us who were not there at the time, could you talk about the Coliseum? Oh, whoa! All sit, right, sit back uh, and relax, everybody. <laughs> to, to quote Obi Wan Kenobi, never has there been a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. <laughs> Nice. It was. It was. The Coliseum was such a cesspool. It was such a bad idea. I don't know what the hell I was thinking. Yeah, it started off as an innocent idea because I. I remember I used to read the Coliseum because it was just a collection of stupidity that was just unmatched. Um, many ideas start off uh, rather innocently and then become something else entirely. So yeah. the Coliseum, the whole point of it was it was a centralized place to have uh, versus fights. You know, of say Zeta Gundam versus Freedom, because we were having these things pop up in the Mecha form, and I didn't want them there, so I put them in the Coliseum. But it just quickly devolved into such stupid fanboy arguments. But you had people who were arguing things out of shows they had never even seen before, and very heated arguments too. Very heated arguments, and you know, they got like ultra defensive about the characters, anything involving Kira. Oh my god! Damn. Well, yeah, it was around that destroy yeah. everything uh some people would like moonlight butterfly ends everything turn a wins yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, i think there was one particular poster that would do that every time there'd be something guy would come in and say moonlight butterfly turn a wins <laughs> We had to micromanage that forum so much because people would make such ridiculous arguments. We would have to say stuff like, uh, turn A is completely banned. Mm-hmm. Um, just to try to make it work because the arguments there got so nasty. And unfortunately, the nastiness in that forum spread out to the rest of Mechatalk. Turn A was... a visible impact. Turn A was broken tier? <laughs> Pretty much. God so, tier mech. It just got was, so nasty, I, I, especially when it was any debate between mm-hmm. like a seed mech and a UC mech. Because oh. Oh. you got to remember, this was around the time that seed was on. Mm-hmm. So well, it, it was after Destiny. A little after, oh, yeah, wow. but it, you know, but still, it was it was still fresh in everyone's mind. So it just got really dumb, and I decided this. This thing is like a cancer, and if we don't kill it, it's going to spread to got, everything it, else. It got so ridiculous that they they even had a versus thing. I forget what the other mech was, but it was the tripods from War of the Worlds. Tripods from yeah, from War of the Worlds. <laughs> so it's like even they got in there, and I forget what they went against. Uh, but Bright's, I just remember Bright's chair from Shars Counterattack. No, 
Bright's chair. I don't know if Bright's chair was even mentioned in hey, it, man. but Th- that it's always wins. So stupid, and I put it out of its misery and deleted it, and that was one of the best things I ever did because that form was just oh, a really man. bad idea. I only wish you archived it. <laughs> I'm glad I did. I, I will say this. Thank. And that was something that people requested having that area. Thank God I never relented on all of the bitching because people wanted to discuss politics and religion. Ooh, uh, that would be, that would be a <laughs> that would be a quagmire. To which I say now what I what I said back then. MHQ is not the all-encompassing form for everything. If you want to discuss politics or religion, go to some place where they do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't feel any sympathy for you if you feel annoyed that you have to sign up and register for some other form to discuss these other subjects that are not germane to MHQ at all. <laughs> I, I mean, people actually made that argument like, oh, but I mean, that's just, I have to sign, I have to visit some other forum. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm <laughs> crying me a freaking river here, honestly. Deal with it. <laughs> I pretty much deal with it. That gif. Yeah, you 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 you, uh, you you do that because um, I don't have to go. You don't have to go through the nightmare that I have to to police all this stuff. Nice, exactly. So, so that's a Pandora's box that had it ever been opened would have never been closed. Ooh, Thank never. God that happened. Yeah. All right. Uh, next, we have a question from Animalia. Oh. That's directed at me. It sure is. In your review of episode one of the original Mobile Suit Gundam, you said that animation doesn't matter to you, that what you care about is characters and story. But on several episodes of this podcast, you go on and on about the virtues of HD and Blu-ray. I'm wondering, how do you explain this seeming incongruity? Wow. <laughs> uh, how, how is it an incongruity? Are, are the two things mutually exclusive? So I can't like characters and story and animation together? I have to like one or the other? That's pretty stupid, actually. Um, I mean, for the most part, you can appreciate great animation and also it being pre- presented in the highest quality possible. I yeah. mean, it, just because Mobile Suit Gundam is, is, it doesn't have spectacular animation in the TV series doesn't mean it's, any, it's worth any less watching as, uh, as maybe a, a movie that has stellar animation. It's just got other qualities that make that worth watching. Plus, and, it's, uh, it's, it's a misquoting of me because here's, yeah. quote, what I said from the review. Yeah. Uh, this show is 22 years old and looks it, but animation doesn't matter much to me. What I care about is a good story and good characters. This series has plenty of that. Mm-hmm. There's a difference. Doesn't matter much versus doesn't matter. There's a distinction. You know, and here's how I explain this, because there is no incongruity. I would like to have both, mm-hmm. and there are plenty of shows that give me both. But if I have to choose between one or the other, I will always choose characters and story. If you give me a Gundam show that looks like Redline, but has an awful story and bad characters, to me it'll be a bad show regardless of great animation. If you give me a Gundam show that has bad animation, but great story and great characters, then to me that's a good show. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plus, um, when you when you have to accept when you go back and watch a show that old that the animation is not going to be uh, uh as as good as um say a more recent show. So you know it's just one of those things you accept. And if it it, it it's going to have a shining moments animation wise, but for the most part, it's going to be a little rougher looking than the shows that we're more accustomed to nowadays. So yeah, basically what I'm doing is I'm weighing animation and story in relation to each other, not mm-hmm. one to the exclusion of the other. Right. So to say that there's an incongruity of me saying that story is what matters and then talking about Blu-rays, uh, that's just that's just a wrong characterization. So moving on, we have some questions from Arbiter, who uh, happy birthday to him yesterday and the day before we oh, recorded this. Happy birthday. And uh, he says, the first of his questions, I think you might have been asked this already, but if you could pick one starship to captain from any anime you've seen, 
What would you pick and why? Would you add any nifty upgrades? Change the colors. Sobro. Oh, man. Um, God. Uh, I, I have to go with the Argama. I, I've got a sweet spot for the Argama, man. I really do. Uh, would I change the colors? Probably not. It was, it's cool looking as is. Uh, I, I, I like the design of the ship and the colors that it has. Much better looking than the radish. <laughs> but, yeah, that's my pick. All right. Neil? Yeah, Remember, Arcadia. we're saying anime, so Galactica is is out of out of contention. No, I know, I know. Unless oh. until the uh, until the Galactica anime. <laughs> so, but uh, no, the Ar- uh, the Arcadia. There you okay. go. That's the ship right there, boy. And I would and I wouldn't change anything of it. <laughs> yeah, but would you have is. would you have black Arcadia or green Arcadia? Out <sighs> of black Arcadia. I'll go with a surprising answer of the Archangel. Oh, look at you, man. You know That's why? Bad, it's not a bad-looking ship. No, it's not. It's, it's a nice-looking ship. Jiggles. Uh, it's got Captain Jiggles, so she'd be there, and I'd, I'd, uh, I'd take care of her the right way that moves well, over every, her too. Every, every, <laughs> every, uh, every woman on there, is, it's, got, it's got the jiggle feature for every woman. <laughs> um, number three, the ship is invincible. Yeah, that's it. Oh. It can yeah. get attacked multiple times by the Dominion and the Minerva, in the exact same spots over and over again and have the exact same things always blown up and never any damage done to anyone and never any attack to, say, like, the bridge or any other critical area. Yeah, well, yeah, the bridge is always... The bridge always gets saved at the last minute because if, if you get the Archangel, that means you're going to have... Um Either strike or uh, strike freedom showing up around there too to save your ass every time. Yeah, I got I got Jesus to protect me. Jesus Yamato's going to always come in at the last minute and beam spam somebody, or Moo's going to come in with either the strike or the Akatsuki to to um, yeah. you know get in the exact same position two separate occasions in two completely different mobile suits and deflect an attack from the cannon of two completely different ships. Yeah. Almost as though it were stock footage, maybe? <laughs> Almost. How dare. What, what is the stock footage you speak of? I've never heard of this concept before. Yeah, so I'll go with the Archangel just because it's it's got God mode on permanently. <laughs> you know, you know, you will live. You know, there's no there's no chance of dying if you're in that ship. Yeah. Unless your name is Toll. Oh. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, but he was out of the ship when he got told. That too. So. <laughs> the safest place in the Seed universe. Uh, number two, he asks, what do you think might be the next evolution of Macross ships that will come after the new Macross class? I have no idea. I mean, that really depends on how far into the future the next Macross show takes place because, you know, the new Macross class is designed to be a generational ship mm-hmm. that uh, they've, that design's been in use for 30 years. Yeah. I'm gonna From t- the point of the Macross 1 up to the point of the Frontier, which is the Macross 25. Ooh, man. And all they really did was, if you look at it, they took the city portion and just made it ginormously huge to hold way more people. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to take a stab at this and say bigger ships. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I, I don't know that we would be seeing, um, you know, a new ship design. You would just see more modifications of this because, as you know, in real navies, they use designs for decades and decades and decades. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for, for example, the, most- the uh, USS Enterprise... Yeah. Not the Starship. The aircraft carrier was built in like 1965. It was the world's first nuclear-powered aircraft carrier, still in service until next year. Oh wow, that's and, a and pretty the, long service life. Yeah, and and the, and the and the aircraft carrier is built after that. Pretty similar. 
Maybe yeah. not size or anything like that, but the design, pretty similar. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and if you really think about it, outside of the flight decks that they kind of incl- inverted a little bit, the, the ships still kind of even look like the ones that were in the World War II, if you really think about it. I mean, there's just, you know, some things are rounded off a little bit more, but still kind of basically knowing that's a aircraft carrier and that's an aircraft carrier. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come look at the Enterprise and any um, of the later ships that followed it. They all look pretty much the same. And now we have a new um, Gerald R. Ford class that's like the next generation design. It looks pretty much the same even as the class of ships it's replacing, of which they just built the last one, which has, you know, all of the most modern technology, but still looks pretty similar to the uh, the ones from the 70s. Wow, they named named the class a ship after the most clumsiest president there was? Nice. Nice. The one that no one voted for. That is trippy. (laughs) Is is it the the aircraft carrier that no one wanted? So, yeah, basically relating it to that, since Macross takes a lot of cues from the navies of the world, Mm -hmm. since they have the same design and service for 30 years, I don't really expect to see a new design unless the show takes really, really, really far into the future, like 100 years into the future. And even, and if, it's even just 10, if it's just 10 or 15 years more after Frontier, it's probably going to be the same design. Yeah. And, um, you know, since the new Macross class isn't just the city, but also the battle fortress that protects it, I mean, look at those. Look at the, um, you know, Battle Frontier or Battle 7 or any of those ships from, the, from that class. They're pretty much the exact same design as the SDF-1. You know, you got just a ship with a bunch of Valkyries and Destroids on it, transforms into a robot, it has a big cannon and a bunch of missiles and smaller cannons. <laughs> Pretty much the exact same design for over 40 years. If it ain't broke? <laughs> 50 yeah, years, pretty, actually. Pretty, pretty much, yeah. yeah. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yep. They knew we were doing it from day one. <laughs> yeah, because contrary to what everybody thinks, militaries of the world, you're pretty much going to you're gonna upgrade from the previous model. You're not necessarily going to just radically change it because yeah. you just you don't know how it's going to work. It's proven technology. Just like the real Navy, what I would say would change is the vehicles, not the ships. That's where you're going to see the radical changes Yeah. because the there's problem. no need to change these big ships so much what changes is the aircraft that's where you're going to see radical changes exactly so that's what i would expect all right number three he says why is it that macross has been less prolific than gundam i think it has a lot to do with macross has a lot more uh there's a lot more hurdles they have to cover with macross every macross series or at least the majority of them have been music driven so there's an aspect of that series that um it, it, there's a lot more musical pieces in Macross than there would be in a Gundam series. Um, I guess save for Seed because you, you had a pop singer in there. But um, when it comes down to it, I, I think there's a lot more hurdles when it comes down to a Macross series in, in general. And that's probably why there's been less or maybe because it's just less popular. Well, lots of, lots of shows have lots of music. I don't think that's a hurdle. What I think is a hurdle relating to the music is, is in the story. Yeah, how to incorporate it. There's only so many times and so many ways that you can do a music-based story. We've mm-hmm. only had, in 30 years, three Macross TV shows. Wow. If we had 12 Macross TV shows throughout they the years, of... how tired would people be of these music-based storylines and pop singers, you know, and all of that stuff saving the world? Yeah, that's true. They'd probably burn out their audience. Yeah, and you, had, you get you... better mileage out of being more infrequent. And you have to remember, um, especially in, like, Universal Century, mm-hmm. the thing... 
a lot of it is just the continuation of the stories. I mean, with with you had MSG, then you had Zeta, which is you know many years continuation. Then you had Double Zeta, which is you know a straight continuation of Zeta. So yeah, it, it's just the way that the story is. And and from what I understand, it just seems like at the attitude when Gundam Gundam just took off and became more of a phenomenal success than Macross. So Macross was a success. But for whatever reason, you know, it, it's like it's like it's always stated, Gundam is Japan's Star Wars. You know, people just wanted more, so Sunrose is like, okay, we'll we'll give you more, and they <laughs> just said, you know, and, and which they have. So yeah, I don't, I don't, I I think I, I like Chris's reasoning on the on the music where it would be a little difficult. You know, it might it might actually degrade from people's liking of Macross if like every other year you had new music based, oh, new pop singer, Lin Min May clone or whatever coming in. And, um, you know, for whatever reason, it just seems like that, that, um, that storyline just works a little bit better the way that we have it where it's every so often and, and, you know, OVAs, um, you know, every, every, you know, four or five years, however, however they might be, however they've all been spanned out. So. There's also the issue of the involvement of the creators because Shoji Kawamori is involved in Macross in a way that Tamino isn't with Gundam because Macross, with the exception of two being shuffled off in an alternate universe, has always been about its one universe. And Kawamori is very closely involved with those productions. And I'm sure he probably learned from Tamino's example, probably doesn't want to get burned out and be known for doing just Macross, which is why he's branched out and done things like Escaflone, mm-hmm. um, Arjuna, Kissdom, um, mm-hmm. that basketball robot show, oh, Aquarian. Yeah. You know, he's spread out and done a bunch of other stuff instead of just doing, cranking out Macross after Macross after Macross and then getting sick of it. I think the show you're referring to is uh, the basketball one, Basquatch. That's it. Yeah, Basquatch. Mm-hmm. If you look at the pattern, we always get a new Macross series of some sort every five years. They always hit the anniversaries. In 87, you had flashback. 92, you had two. Mm-hmm. 97, you had dynamite. Uh, 2002, you had zero. And then in 2007, that special version of the first episode of Frontier. Yeah. Plus, I, I think the TV shows are generational as well, if you look yeah. at it. One every we decade. Had an, we had a TV show in the 80s, a TV show in the 90s, and a TV show in the aughts. Yep. I'm pretty sure that next year we're going to get something for the 30th anniversary, probably some kind of OVA. Mm-hmm. And maybe in the 10s at some point we'll get a TV show, but they tend to stick to this four and five year uh, plan. And the only exception to that was in 94 when we had plus and seven. But even then, those were pretty spaced out from the last time that Kawamori had done anything, which, you know, you could say was uh, in that time period of, of Daryl and flashback. Yes, indeed. So that is that. Uh, here's one for Sobro. Oh, no. <laughs> Do you think Ryu should settle down with Chun-Li, have a few kids, and stop all this wandering warrior jazz? You know this is never going to end, Arbiter. He's, he's going he's gonna to walk the planet like, like Kang from Kung Fu. But if you had to settle down with any lady from the Street Fighter universe, it's going to be Sakura, God, God, God damn it. <laughs> Are you sure about that? Because I, I think he's got more of a thing for Ken. I, oh, oh, of course you would say that. Of course you would. No, man. Uh, of course he hooks up with Sakura, man. Um, there's a there's a there's an ending in um in Marvel Superheroes versus Street Fighter. It's it's a joke, but um you see uh, Sakura as a as a middle aged woman and she has a kid that looks suspiciously like Ryu. So you never know. You never know. But um that is that is my candidate right there. You're welcome. All right. And last uh, <laughs> lastly, he asks us a strange cross 
podcast question that he also asked for Chaos Theater that mm-hmm. I don't know what the first part of this is. Of I don't know if you allow cross-podcast questions, but I'd like to hear what Peter would have to say if he's seen this. Have you seen the British comedy series Red Dwarf? Oh. So I, I don't know why you would not just have asked about Solbro and Neo here rather than on Chaos Theater and why you're asking about Pedro here rather than on Chaos Theater. I, it just confuses me to no end as I've read these questions. But I, I, I will answer on behalf of Pedro, yes and no. <laughs> well, I already answered on Chaos Theater that I have not seen it. What about you guys? I've never seen Red Dwarf, but I know a lot of people who have, and it, it's what a comedy series. It's a comedy spirit it's a series, sci-fi comedy, comedy series that oh. um, it's very got a very strong cult following, and uh, especially in the circles of nerddom, I know a lot of people that I work with, um, especially the guy who I sit to next to work when I go in, who's a big Red Dwarf fan, and um, I always wanted to check it out, especially its references to uh, Star Trek. There's plenty of them in that series, but maybe one of these years, maybe if it if it ever shows up on Netflix. All right, and our last question comes from the loser villain hey who uh very appropriately has jared as his avatar yes indeed man he's been he's been a long time listener man that guy's always that guy's always been cool says i've been listening since the beginning of the show mm-hmm. and finally had a question to ask for the mailbag or at least what? an observation nice i just finished watching the preview clip of gundam age posted on the mhq twitter because this mm-hmm. was in august that he posted this and is it just me or do some of the character designs look like they stepped out of the leiji matsumoto universe Whoa. particularly the mechanic character a.k.a. Uh, Santa Claus, yeah. uh, Captain Grudek Aenor, and a few others. They seem to possess a look that is usually seen in Space Battleship Yamato, Galaxy Express 3-9, etc. Yeah, I would definitely say that there's yeah. a, uh, a Matsumoto vibe. That uh, that kid who's a friend of Flitz, Dick or Dickie, or the kid with the, the yeah. freaking cap looks yeah. very Matsumoto. Yes, yes yeah, he does. He does uh, Vargas, the, the mechanic, the professor guy, mm-hmm. the yeah. captain. Yeah, they all do. I mean, even Flitz, to an extent, he's got that he's got kind of that look to him also so i mean rich there's nothing wrong may, with that yeah maybe deliberate may not but there definitely is uh there definitely is some similarity there which, also does, which, i was just gonna say which leads to a good point there's a lot as you mentioned earlier a lot of people have been complaining about the aesthetic of the show and that everything just seems too odd for a gundam show but like the old heads like us who have been watching like lazy masamoto joints and, and, and whatnot throughout the years you know it looks good to us it, it, it looks good it's like it's a throwback um, it, it's I, almost, I, that's that's a that's a broad thing yeah, oh, well, there might be a lot of people bitching and complaining about that I've seen yeah. like, that stuff and they just don't want it in their Gundam so I, I don't know um, if I, I I I think you could talk for yourself and well, us I, I, I will speak for I myself think, I, wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't do the broad, <laughs> the broad uh, well, I'm, I'm saving you for yeah. you know countless ridicule that you'll probably get from this I'm know, used to like, it <laughs> the double o being good uh-huh. season 2 but hey, I, hey. I, I, I would <laughs> well, say we'll, we'll get to all of that later <laughs> yeah, exactly no problem but um, that, that that's how I feel I should say and um, yeah. I think it's cool and he throws in a P.S. I was in Japan in January for a study abroad on Japanese film and media and met Shiro Sasaki, who was the music director of Cowboy Bebop and a multitude of shows. He gave a lecture on the history of anime and explained his involvement in anime. I PM'd Soulbro about it, but he never got back to me. Are you serious? <laughs> I was hoping he would have while I was in Japan because I was going to try and arrange an interview for the show. I'm sorry that I wasn't able to. Oh well, thanks God. a lot, Soulbro. I dropped the ball, man. Loser yeah, villain, I'm sorry. things again. I, I, I am sorry. Time PM all three of us. Yeah, yeah. Please, please yeah. do. Please yeah, do. E- <laughs> email me or PM me since I always check this stuff since I'm on Mecha Talk all day and I night. 
Let me let me stress this. In the background. Let me stress this right now. The best person to PM is Chris. He, he he's he's always on the boards, and he's the guy who um will, will probably get back to you the quickest. So. Yes, because literally, even when I'm working during the day, I have a pin tab in Chrome for MechaTalk. Yes. If if I get a PM, I'll get a pop up and an email about it. There you go. So uh, no apology necessary, Mister Loser Villain. Just a miscommunication. But uh, yeah, for anyone in the future, if you need to contact anyone on the show about anything, I'm your point man. Yeah, don't count on Sobro. Don't never. <laughs> well, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying. never never that's count on Sobro. I'm insinuate. more easily reachable. That's what you mean. On, on Wes, uh, unlike Wesley Snipes in Passenger 57, never bet on Sobro. <laughs> Well, that uh, wraps up the mailbag. Or, or if, 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 if you're going to do something like that, put in the subject, hot new Street Fighter thing from Japan. He'll Always. answer that. Always. <laughs> that, that could also work. <laughs> anyway, that wraps up the mailbag. You can always post more questions in the mailbag Dropbox thread on megatalk.net. So I'll turn it over to Solbro to uh, hit us with some websites that people should visit. Solbro? Definitely peep these websites. Head on over where the magic happens. M-A-H-Q. .net. That's the Mecca and Anime Headquarters. Also, you can check out Gundam's main website at Gundam.net. That's right, it's spelled as it sounds. Also, you can find us on iTunes, Facebook, and other forms of social networking. If you look for those links, you'll find them at Gundam.net as well. After listening to this episode, you should definitely check out Chaos Theater. And you can find it by going to chaostheater.blogspot.com. A Jack of All Trades Otaku Podcast hosted by MAHQ and Gundam's own Chris Guanche and our favorite pedal bear South, Pedro Cortez. And last but not least, Shinjuku Station has a movie podcast. Shinjuku Station at the Movies can be found at shinstation.blogspot.com. And any last words, gentlemen, before we close this episode out? Nope. Always support the sponsors. Mm-hmm. And like the, the open invitation to Sir Bay and the Admiral, you're always available to come on here. Always. And uh, now I'm going to ex- extend another invitation from this point on, too. Oh. And that's uh, Suichi Ikeda. You're always available to come on here, too. I don't know if you can speak English, but you can just sit there and say stuff in Japanese, and we'll record it anyways, because it'll sound awesome. I'll throw out one last thing. Now that age is actually out there, watch it before you bitch about it. There you go. It, it so why would I do that? I, I know just, it's crazy talk. Why would I have informed hate? I should have informed unformed hate because that's the way i that's the way my brain works well um if anything i just want to give a shout out to um the ikari cast who just recently celebrated their 100th episode um i was invited on as a guest on their podcast and i'm, I'm very thankful for um why were you just alone invited on this one what was the hey. reasoning behind that because you know you're just you're just one third of gundam why wouldn't they want all of Gundam on there especially for something as big as their 100th uh, episode you got me, I guess, maybe. I guess we're not hundred worthy. Oh, hey man, we're we're, we're, we're going to reach a hundred episodes soon, and and and, and we're, we're not going to have anybody on there because it's going to be all about us. <laughs> yeah, I, I invite no suckers on for a hundredth episode. Oh, yeah, because this is this is the greatest of the anime podcasts. There you ever. go. Ever, I mean, come on. Well, I'm, I'm very, I'm very, um, I was very happy to be on their show, and um, please check out uh, their podcast at reviewtopia.net/slash/podcasts/slash/ikaricast. That's I-K-A-R-I cast. And uh, thanks again for having me on, and uh, much, many more episodes from um, from this point on. But uh, well, I'll throw out some podcast whoring too. Sure, go ahead. Uh, but I'm going to throw out one that has yet to happen, but will probably come out before Gundam does. 
Well, hit us up. I'm going to appear on the Tumblecast with uh, with Pedro. Oh, nice. As well as uh, Hiroko, who was on here a while ago, mm-hmm. and even Andres to talk about Macross. Oh no! Yes. Well, that's that's going to be. I'm sure that's going to be a rousing time. Talking about anime, talking about toys, the whole shebang. So um, watch uh, the show notes and the. Uh, Twitter feed of MHQ for information about when that Tumblecast comes out. It's set to record two days after we're doing Gundam. It'll probably be out pretty soon thereafter, so mm-hmm. I'm sure Sober will have uh, information to include, and if not, I will. That's excellent. Congratulations, Chris. And that's it for me. All right. Any 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 other any other tidbits before we close out? I have no podcast to horror. Oh. <laughs> Nobody likes you. Hey, man. I'm sure. I'm sure it'll happen. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, the, the last one, of course, was the, the great debate. Yes, yes, it was. It's hard well, to top that. that great, <laughs> great, great for one side. Well, if, if anything, uh, thank you all for listening to this episode of uh, Gundam at MAHQ. We'll see you guys next time. Lieutenant, I need your advice, sir. Jeez, Max, why are you being so formal? Well, it's about me getting married, sir. You getting what? Uh, well... And excuse me, but didn't you just go out on a date with this girl? I mean, fun's fun, but jumping straight into marriage is... No, it's what we want, but it puts her in an awkward position. Well, it is kind of fast, you know. Is there a problem with her parents, or...? That's not exactly it, per se. Spit it out. Well, among other things, she used to be a Zentradi fighter pilot. <laughs> what? Are you nuts? You did an enemy pilot? The two of you can't get married? Forget it, there's no way! But why not? Oh, there's language, customs, and how you think, for starters. Why should that matter? Love is strong enough to conquer anything, right? <laughs> Max, love is nothing but a pipe dream. It's useless! Don't think you can count on love for anything! When two hearts come together as one, even the impossible becomes possible! Sure, in theory, but in real life, love is nothing but a mirror for your vanity that gets shattered sooner or later. Is that your own experience speaking, sir? Uh, don't, don't be stupid! Well, I'd like you to meet her anyway. Where? Here. Uh, you brought her with you? Mm-hmm. See? <gasps> Wow, she's graceful. I am pleased to meet you. Uh, Yeah, you too. (laughs) Wow, we, you know, this could turn out to be the start of something big. Forget what I said, Max. You should formally present this to Captain Global and ask him to preside over the ceremony. Uh Yeah, you're like the first guy on the moon where no man has wed before. It's awesome. Gundam at MAHQ is a Shinjuku station and MAHQ.net joint. A proud part of the AAA Podcast Network. Jesse, so Ray, your, your partner here, colleague, comrade, seen, she got, uh, you know, seen the, the protest in Greece and Europe elsewhere. Did you guys take your key from that? Are you hoping to incite, you know, certainly what was 
a lot of attention, if not uh, police activity. I know over the weekend there was over 100 arrests, and you guys got things fired up. Are you taking your cues from the international movement? In, how do you want to see this? In? What do you, what do you, if you could have it in in a perfect way, how would it be? Well, I don't know. It's really difficult to kind of answer questions leading to those conclusions. I'd say that we didn't take our cue off of anybody, really. It became a more spontaneous movement. As far as seeing this end, I wouldn't like to see it end. I'd like to see the conversation continue. This is what we should have been talking about after 2008 when the economy collapsed. We basically patched a hole on the tire and said, yeah, let the car keep rolling. Unfortunately, it's fun to talk to the uh, propaganda machine in the media, especially conservative leading networks such as yourself. Because we find that we can't get conversations on the Department of Justice's ongoing investigation of News Corporation, for which you are an employee, but we can certainly ask questions like, you know, why are the poor engaging in class warfare? Now, after 30 years of having our living standards decrease while the wealthiest 1% have had it better than ever, I think it's time for maybe, I don't know, some participation in our democracy that isn't funded by news cameras and gentlemen such as yourself. Okay, but I'll give you this challenge, Jesse. Sure. We're here giving you an opportunity on the, on the record with Credit Ancestry to put any message you want out there, give you fair coverage, and I'm not going to in any way That's awesome. be biased about it. So, there is an exception to the case because you wouldn't be able to get your message out without us, yes? No, certainly. I mean, take for instance when Glenn Beck was doing his protest and he called the president a person who hates white people and white culture. That was a low moment in American's history, and you guys kind of had a big part in it. So I'm glad to see you coming around and kind of paying attention with the other 99% of Americans are paying attention to, as opposed to the far-right fringe who would love to just destroy the middle class entirely. All right, fair enough. You have a, a voice and an important reason to, to criticize myself, my company, and anyone else. But let me ask you this. In fairness, does this administration, or President Obama, have any criticism as to the, the financial situation in the country? I think myself, uh, as well as many other people, would like to see a little bit more economic justice or social justice, Jesus stuff, as far as feeding the poor, health care for the sick. You know, I find it really entertaining that people like to hold the Bill of Rights up while they're screaming at gay soldiers, but they just can't wrap their heads around the idea that a for-profit health care system doesn't work. So, let's just look at it like this. If we want the president to do more, let's talk to him on a level that actually reaches people, instead of asking for his birth certificate and wasting time with total nonsense like cilantro.